Do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. All right. It is Wednesday night, July 28th, and you know what that means. It's another episode of the Mark Order Podcast. This is episode 18. Can you believe it, Kate? This is episode 18? I kind of can't that we are at episode 18, that we're swinging into August. It's all kind of fucking bonkers that things are moving so fast. I have so many wrestling shows coming up that I put in my phone. Um, I am going to do ROH with Schlong and maybe you. I'm going to do um, a show in my hometown of Binghamton because why not? Uh, I was like, you know what? LSG versus VSK. A day trip to Binghamton when I haven't been there in like five years. Might be worth it. And uh, there's going to be a show in Butler, New Jersey. So I guess I'm just doing a weird like trip through my past, really. I didn't realize that until I was saying that out loud. <laughs> like, former places I live, former places I've worked. Um, and that doesn't even include Dynamite in Newark, Arthur Ashe. I'm doing the Jericho Cruise. I'm not going to go broke and buy a ticket to Chicago. Especially... After the news that just broke, so I feel like I don't need to maybe buy it to the pay-per-view for uh, other reasons, but uh, we'll we'll get into that all, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so are you going to that show in Butler? I think so. I, like, have oh a couple God. of friends that are in Butler um, that, like, they're not wrestling fans, but they're like, I'd go to a fucking independent show down the street for me. Why not? So, like, I floated it out there to a couple of them just to see if they would want to go. And I, they were like, hell yeah, why not? Let's go to an independent <laughs> wrestling show. So we'll see if they still feel the same way uh, when it comes time for tickets. Not that they're expensive, but that's when plans get real. So, <laughs> but a lot of really fun wrestling coming up. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I was asking because, you know, we saw it was coming uh, and uh, Gina goes, oh, we should take Anthony. And I'm like, those shows could be rough for little kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, know, some- the one really good thing is it's like a lot of guys. It seems like it's so it's run by the same guy that runs the 80s con. And it seems like he's bringing back like a lot of like old school guys to pair with new school guys. So I don't think it's going to be like too like none of those guys can bump anymore. A crowbar is probably the one that can bump the best. because <laughs> He's a physical therapist now. Um, so I don't think it's going to be like, as far as independent shows go, I don't think it's one that's going to be like bloody or not family friendly, but yeah, I could, I would certainly understand the hesitation to bring your kid to like a live independent wrestling show. Yeah, you just never know. But hey, Kate, it's like right around the corner for me. So if you do go, just let me know. I'm sure that day of I can get in the door. I imagine you would be able to. <laughs> <laughs> so as everybody probably heard, we've got Ryan Schlong again for the full show this week. So we don't just get a little bit. We get the whole damn thing. We got Owl the Schlong. What's up, Ryan? Not much. So there's two things. One, we have to establish where Matt is, and you seem to always know. 
Believe it or not, Kate actually has the scoop this week. I um, I didn't hear anything, but Kate says she knows where Matt is. So he told us, he was like, I have to work at this um, this concert in South Orange. They have like their weekly series there. But after work, he went up to Seton Hall University that's in South Orange. There was actually a wrestling show going on there. Turns out he pulled the fire alarm. He won't ever admit oh. it. But he he pulled that fire alarm. So I think he's going to have a lot of heat for the rest of his life. And even if he denies it for the rest of his life, he pulled the fire alarm at Seton Hall University. Don't worry about the date of us saying that. Just if you ever see Millionaire Matt, just be like, you're the guy that pulled the fire alarm at Seton Hall University. He'll know exactly what you're talking about. So I also want to say to all those thinking uh, that pun wasn't intended, uh, that pun was totally intended, that Matt has a lot of heat for pulling a fire alarm. So I just want to clarify that. Kate, you 100% meant that pun. I got to be honest. I didn't for once in my life. I don't it's know become if it's, natural. I know. I was going to say, I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> that's that worse. Way into us. So, Ant, before we get on with the show, there's something yeah. that has to happen here. Kate sure. on her Twitter today said she was going to compliment everyone. Well, I don't really use Twitter. So I felt, well, what a better way to get my compliment than on air. So, Kate, compliment me. I will say, considering you are born and bred Philadelphia trash, you're a pretty all right guy. I didn't say they wouldn't be backhanded. I didn't say they wouldn't be backhanded, but sincerely, we appreciate all the hard work you do on AW Dark and Elevation because Lord knows we don't always have time to watch them every week. Your diligence, your willingness to fill in for Millionaire Matt at a moment's notice. And you know what? I think I think you're going to marry Danny Jordan. There you go. Wow. Perfect compliment. I think, I think you're the caliber of guy that could land a Danny Jordan. That's what I clearly, think. Clearly the caliber. Yep. yep. Absolutely. I was. It seemed like everybody on my... Twitter timeline was having a bad day. I had a fucking rancid day today on several fronts. So I was like, you know what will make me feel better? Giving people a bunch of compliments. I'm going to give them out for free. So that's what I did. And you know what? It made some people's day. It made my day. It was really fun to like get requests from people I don't know for compliments and just see on their Twitter profiles, like things in their bio. There was one guy who was like, I love the XFL and monster trucks. And I was like, you're fucking cool. I love the XFL and Monster Trucks. So um, it, was a, it was a good use of mental time and energy in a wildly negative space. I'll say that. <laughs> I approve. Thank you. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to, it's nice to bring some, uh, you know, sunlight into other people's dark days. Shout out to Joe Evans in the Facebook chat for saying, way to work the schlong, Kate. Fucking love that guy. <laughs> he rules. I'm great. Wow. At working the schlong. You can tell Peter Avalon that. I, you beat me to it. <laughs> you beat the schlong, Kate. Uh, I would be his lady in red. I'm not a zombie, but come on, man. You're also not Jack K. 
He looked awful smitten with Jack K on the Ugh. Family Feud Sunday night. There is only one Jack K. I gotta be honest. She's tough competition. She looks great. And Pravon looked great and gave really good answers on Family Feud. He's really good at Family Feud. He is. And uh, I also want to note, Kate, uh, that, boy, it seems like everything they were saying on the Monday Night Show is awfully true uh, about you just live. People can learn so much about you if they just tune into the Mark Order podcast. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. There was no double meanings in anything that I said. No, you <laughs> clearly meant exactly what you meant when you said you know how to work the schlong. Yeah, I know how to work the schlong. Our resident AW correspondent here. Well, well, Ryan, we are happy to have you here again this week. Kate looks really smitten to have the schlong right in front of her face. <laughs> Um. So why don't we why don't we dive in because we got a lot of stuff to discuss tonight. Uh, let's uh let's jump into the darks. Uh, clearly in a couple weeks we're gonna have to start off probably with some rampage talk, but uh, we're a little ways away from rampage. We're gonna touch on rampage a little bit later. Uh, but let's start with dark like we normally do. Um, and I'm gonna do this. I'm going to call this, Ryan, the way that you've said it. Let's start with AEW Dark Denver. Yep, it's elevated. So this one ran for a nice two hours and seven minutes. So that was hell. Like, stop that. Why Why would you go over two hours? Um, like I said, I'm not going to go over everything. I'll go to the important parts. I will start with the most important part for Ant, that smart Mark Sterling and Jade Cardgill. Shut the fuck up, Kate. We're out. Um, smart Mark did all the talking. Literally, Jade just said her line. I like Smart Mark with Jade. I don't know how I feel about him doing all the talking. Because if you're going to build her she, and she's not wrestling, she better be talking. So that's like, I like him to have a couple lines in her pro, vignettes or promos, but I want her to have some too. So this felt a little little off to me and i know kate's not a big fan of putting her with mark sterling and this was one where i was like maybe she's right this seems to hurt jade god maybe i'm right about something you guys no i agree yeah and like i i kind of actually i i didn't love it but i liked the direction they were going with and that she was like kind of building out a posse but i'm with you in that uh she needs to to say something for a few reasons one She's still kind of green in the ring, and that's not her fault. That's just where she's at in her career. So if the thing that she has the most of is the ability to speak and a bunch of charisma, uh, maybe let that show through in every chance that you get. And it also has to be there for the balance of the relationship between the two, right? Like, Smart Mark is a lawyer, but like a goofball of a lawyer a little bit. You need that, like serious dead ass that bitch girl to balance that out so i'm with you i don't like that idea at all um again it's a promo on dark it wasn't the longest promo in the world but i i just don't they seemed like they were on a very clear path with jade and uh now they do not seem to be on such a clear path with her so 
I just, I don't know if you know this, but I actually have not been a fan of what they've been doing with the women's division. I don't think I've talked about it very much. I know it's a stunning revelation. Um, I'm the shock. I, look, I'm just full of hot takes. You know what I mean? I think most people are like, oh, the AEW women's division is great. Guess what, people? <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, no, I'm, but I, I'm with you on that. I feel like Jade was like clear cut. And they also, they kind of do this across the board, but especially with the women because they do only have one women's match. They'll kind of like push the hell out of someone and then pump the brakes out of nowhere a little bit. Sometimes it's been due to injury as we've seen, but other times like, like, I mean, Tay, they just, she's, she had her title shot and she hasn't been on dynamite since I want to say, or I think she might've had a one-off or two. Um, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit puzzling, but at the same time, they're very good at turning up the heat on someone when they need to. So I, I kind of can't have it both ways, I guess. But as far as Jaden smart mark goes, I agree with you entirely. Any opinions, Ant, since she's uh, one of your favorites? Okay. Um, he might not be able to hear me. His I think he's not. frozen. He is. Okay, so I'll keep like going. Like the Madonna yeah. song. He got so shocked by, by Jade that he just froze. He got so shocked that I'm not a fan of the women's division is what it really is, I think. Truly. Just so stuck. just in case, not sure when he's going to come back. So I will. I will. Durr. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're still live on the facebook pal so okay, whatever good. we gotta do <laughs> i don't know if people hear that but suddenly we heard recording stopped and recording back and he's back um no not really <laughs> sorry i i don't know what is going on with my connection but oh, uh i was checking the facebook to make sure we were still on and that i wasn't just destroying everything so um <laughs> all good my we apologies. were just wondering your thoughts on that bitch uh so i i heard most of what you guys said um i i'm kind of torn right um i uh i don't mind them using her this way um like where they're gonna have somebody else do the talking but she clearly is like she does have the ability to talk so um you know i'm with kate to the on the on par with basically being like, if they're not going to use her to talk, you know, then they should use her in the ring and they're not really doing that. And I think we're all kind of torn because she's still green and they don't maybe want to kind of show that she's so green since they're building her up to be this awesome uh, woman, but we're just kind of in this flux period. So it's kind of weird. I'm starting to, they need to advance this to the next point at, you know, within the next week or two, if you ask me, right? Like, I said they have to do something at the next point. So it's either like, it's got to be where, you know, we found a bunch of opportunities. So now we're going to do this and then she's going to do it. And that's either going to put her off TV or, you know, now we're going to kick ass and she's got to start wrestling matches, but they have to kind of go all in one way with this on Jade, in my opinion. And I love her and I, am kind of in, in on this smart Mark Sterling as the lawyer thing, but they need to, finally push in on this and take a definitive kind of stance on what they're going to do. That's my opinion. Yeah. If we're all going to shut the fuck up, we need to know why we're listening. I think that's fair. I don't shut the fuck up for Mark. 
I shut the fuck up for Jade. There it is. There it is. You hit the nail on the head. So then moving on from the wonderful Jade Cardgill, who's that bitch. Um, next thing I'll note, this is out of order, but it's my personal order. Um, Pac fought Chuck, had a match against Chuck Taylor in the main event, which I really liked. It's a fun match. Those guys obviously can put on a good match. After Pac won, uh, as I named him, Andre Igaloo came out and <laughs> s- listen, I, someone's got to be G- JR. Andre I was came out. Say. That's, who, that's his walking. name, according to one of the announcers. So <laughs> he did that classic, like I'm coming to the ring to fight you. He starts undressing, and then he does. And I don't mind that it's done all the time. I think it's a great heel move where he starts backing away, like I've changed my mind. I just find it interesting because the, the I don't want to talk about tonight, but and it really wasn't settled tonight, so I could say a little bit. We still don't know is he really trying to recruit the Lucha Brothers or is he bringing in like you know one of Kate's like I think she said LFI coming in or something like that or anyone else at this point so i just you know there's they're even building this on uh elevation which i i really like i i gonna i'll just come in now and say it i think they've used elevation and dark way better since they've gone back to crowds almost where i feel like they're actually using them for stories because now they have fans to be like cheer or boo the story (laughs) so it's been a pleasant surprise and this is one of the angles that i that i they're developing on dark i don't know if anyone has any opinions or no, I'm with you. I think uh, I think they could cut the runtime down a little bit since fans are back. Just a fucking little bit. Like, please. what are we doing with that? But um, I think we'll probably see a little bit more bleeding over of dynamite into this content would be my guess. And storylines working their way up and back down a little bit when they're not on dynamite because, like you said, there are crowds there. So to them, it's kind of all the same experience, right? So it's like whether that shows up on dynamite or dark or elevation when you're you're sitting right there, you're still seeing the storylines advance in front of your face. We saw the beginnings of that with a women's feud. Don't even get me started. And we're seeing it work in reverse with with this angle, too, which I think is really smart. So um, just an added bonus for the live crowd. And it just creates even more continuity in your programming. It's super smart, in my opinion. And let's not forget that they did say when they were launching uh, Elevation that we were going to see continuity between, uh, you know, Dynamite storylines in this show. So it doesn't surprise me that they're doing that. Uh, and and now they're starting to do it a little bit more since the live crowds are there. So they have, you know, kind of the smart crowd who knows what's going on with the stories, you know, that can kind of react, you know, to some of the feuds that they're you know, showing on uh, elevation. So I'm all for that. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see where they're going to go kind of with this, uh, with this story with uh, Andrade and uh, the death triangle. Uh, I don't know where they're going, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Into the igloo. That's right. <laughs> so then, my, so I broke my own rule this week, both shows, but I, where I pulled two things out of the old match order, because they actually had relevance to, dynamite um the second was lee johnson had a match versus luther there's two interesting things about this the first was the match was made by the dude who won the mobile gm game tournament um he got a belt which looked pretty nice and he got to make this match don't know why he picked luther but i'm not complaining i'm just what a random pick um the thing is when the if lee johnson won he got to face miro for the tnt title which 
kind of out of left field in terms of Lee Johnson being the guy. I, I mean, they've been doing more with him, but it still feels a little random. But I'm not against it in the sense that they let anyone go against for the TNT title, which is smart. And it's on TV, and, and there's at least a reason. We, you know, I, Kate talks about it for other matches, but she likes reasons behind her matches. Well, Lee Johnson had to win to get there, so it's at least something. There's some plot there, and I, and I don't mind it. And I like Lee Johnson, though I will say, if you watch this, he botched his finisher, which is like a corkscrew back, you know, corkscrew splash off the top rope. I almost thought he broke his neck. He he like slammed into the side of Luther, kind of like what um Brock Lesnar did when he tried in uh WrestleMania when he tried the, the oh shoot, god the, yeah I'm blanking <laughs> on the name of the move but when he tried that where you slam your neck into the side of the guy it was ugly but otherwise good match <laughs> yeah I would oh sorry oh, go ahead sorry oh, I was just gonna say I I uh, have a feeling that um. The list of competitors was rather short and consisted of Luther and uh, Dr. Luther. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but it was a, it was a cool concept, a cool way for them to tie in kind of the game. Uh, you know, Hey, this guy won the tournament. So uh, he gets to pick a match, you know, whatever it is what it is. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with the match except you're right. That uh, finisher looked, Ooh, that was uh, iffy. Yeah, I think that's a cool tie-in. I really appreciate that. And we've talked about it before, how much the AEW ecosystem all tends to feed itself, but it seems to do that super organically where, not to be comparison, Mark, girl, but um, it feels very forced in WWE when there is crossover or there's an insane lack of continuity, which if you pay attention, even peripherally, you got a lovely dose of this week between how they're treating NXT. Um, whereas to me, almost dark and elevation kind of function in a similar way to what NXT is supposed to be in, in WWE, right? There's like some developmental stuff that's probably happening. It's a place for people to get their feet wet in front of live crowds, etc. Um, So I, I just really appreciate that with AEW, how everything feels very organic, but also very connected. Like, uh, I mean, the, best example of that in the world is the dark order right they got themselves so over on bte and now look at what happened they're in the world title picture (laughs) tonight so i just they seem to to do a really great job of that this is another example of that what a fun tie-in without it feeling super forced though that awgm game not i'm not totally feeling it it's a fun idea but I mean, I create a better women's division than they do, but you have enough. to like that type of game to like the game. They're, they're it's a very yeah. specific group that even I, I can go in and out on it, and I really like games. But that's you have to really like, like simulator games. Yeah, I was really good at it, though. I'll say that because I think it's made for people that are like seven years old to be able to do. I crushed that. That's about my gaming level, by the way. <laughs> they literally do walk you step by step on how to do it yeah i was like all right yeah i created a match with this guy and this guy (laughs) that's about where my gaming level is um and i can play the first couple levels of donkey kong and that's about it not not great with the old video games so (laughs) but very fun tie-in on the old dark as you've called them Denver and Louisiana. 
Did I do Louisiana? New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. There you go. On, mile high, <laughs> below sea level. It works. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, so, Shlong, any of the this particular matches you want to call out? I have a feeling I know one you're going to call oh, out for sure. I have to call it out. Scorpio Sky versus Fuego del Sol. First of all, it was actually a very fun match. Like, those two had a really good mix of styles. Second of all, the crowd was, as you'd say, on fire. And that's right for Scorpio. Yes, for Scorpio. He, Fuego's pop was insane. And I kind of wish Matt was here because it goes to the whole Matt was questioning, like, do I have to watch everything? How will do they expect this to work? And it's like, clearly people are watching everything because he's getting over on anything but dynamite. But also, if he's going to get that kind of pop, you don't have to watch everything because you know just that, like you'll get into him because the fans are cheering for him. Like you'll know instantly, like this is a guy I'm going to like. And he got he got not only the cheers when he came out, he got chance for his name. Obviously, I think that he's probably signed already, but I'm hoping if not, they announce it soon because he is he's a lot of fun. Well, he's the best luchador from what Alabama, uh, so. <laughs> You should lock up the best guy from the state. It was fucking wild to hear the pop that he got truly like it's it's so kind of like heartwarming to me because uh, like they he's been only on dark and all he's done is lose. Right. So, so to see that is so awesome. It really proves. And I think we've seen examples of this swing both ways. I don't know if casual fans are a thing. Like, I feel, I feel like we're at a place in wrestling where it's like casual fans are extremely rare, at least in dictating momentum of crowds and stuff. I I feel like we have a very, very diehard fan base kind of across the board, which is to me is awesome. So, um, but yeah, I just, if you had told me a year ago, Hey, someone jobbing on dark, for literally like a year is going to get them super over to the point where full crowds are chanting his name. I would, I don't think I would have believed you a year ago. Like that's, that's some pretty wild stuff. So um, I does seem like it led to a contract. We can get into that later. Um, But I good for good for him. That rules. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. Uh, To see a crowd so into somebody who has spent more of their time possibly on the blogs and losing uh, than anything else. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Fuego. Uh, all I know is that, uh, boy, between the pops that he and Marco Stunt get, my goodness, uh, just a bunch of guys uh, who know what it's like to feel the roar of the crowd. Uh, and I think two of Matt's favorites, too. Uh, so Absolutely. Um a lot of fun. Uh, anything else from uh, Dark Denver? I'm, I'm hesitant to bring this up because I, I don't want to set Kate off. But there was the Bunny and Maddie Rankowski versus Statlander and Conte, which, by the way, ended in a nice little dance routine between Statlander, Conte, and Aubrey, which is funny. But I just think it's hilarious that Rankowski comes back. I think she was hurt from what I gather. And she's back to taking pins and tag matches to the main roster wrestlers, the people that are signed. I. I don't understand their use of her, to be quite honest. I, I I mean, I do and I don't. Like, it goes back to, like, we talk about, you know, it's King and, and her issues. Where are, like, 
where do these women fall? You're putting her with all your stars, but she's always taking the pin. But she's also not signed. So it's not even like you say, well, eventually they'll build her up. You have no idea what they're going to do with her. I developed a theory about this. Okay. I think Kylan King either is signed or is going to be signed very soon, like signed and not announced, or is going to be signed very soon. And I think they're going to reset your record there. So I think they're just having her lose a little bit. And then they're going to announce that she signed, which is like a whole clean slate. And then maybe they built her back up to be something more. Cause I think we're going to find out that like, who is it? Baron Black, Fuego Del Sol and Kylan King seem to be like the three that are just constantly on our screen in vlog content. I think people think Kylan King has such a unique look and serves maybe a different place than a lot of women in this division that she's a no brainer. So that's just my latest theory is maybe she's got like a couple more weeks of this and then they announce it at some point. Um, but I think they're going to reset her record and then maybe give her like a little bit more of a build, but I don't really like Maddie Rankowski. So I don't care as much. I don't, I so, just don't uh, seem like special about her. So I don't disagree with you there. Um, but I do maybe throw a monkey wrench into your uh, theory, Kate, do you mean literally reset her record or put her on a winning streak to get her kind of even? I think maybe she's zero and zero. So my only wrench to throw into that is the fact that Thunder Rosa is now officially all elite and her record is still like 20 and two. Uh, Maybe it'll be a matter of convenience where they break the rules because Thunder Rosa has felt all elite this whole time. (laughs) I actually hate that shit but i wouldn't be mad at it in that case um i mean i hate the records anyway as you guys know i hate the rankings i don't hate records i say the records are great i wouldn't hate the records yeah and honestly even with the rankings like they've done they seem to be making an effort to make them more consistently make sense in in what they're doing so i'm turning on the rankings because they seem to to actually be serving more of a purpose now than they were um that being said i think colton gunn is like undefeated so who knows but <laughs> um but the gun club baby so they uh so they didn't reset thunder Rosas. that's interesting all right yeah but they could well, in theory do what ant said which is she signed and suddenly she's a different wrestler like she goes on a win streak very 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 true but she's been eating a lot of losses in that case then <laughs> yeah it's just weird with Kylan King. We've talked about it and sh- we won't go in depth. It's just like they were pushing her and pushing her a little bit. And then all of a sudden she's eating pins. Like it just uh, was kind of weird there, but yeah, well, you know what? We have some rankings. We'll delve into them later. Don't you worry. We'll get to the rankings. We're not going to wrap them, but we'll get there. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, as far as Maddie Rinkowski goes along, uh, whatever, you know, I don't necessarily care for i'm not i don't like i have nothing to for against her just they seem to really like her but really like her to lose in their tag matches it's a very specific role she has maybe they hate her (laughs) (laughs) maybe they're like we're gonna keep you around just to lose now i'm just kidding (laughs) maybe maybe it is honestly the fact that she is you know she's rather small right so she can get thrown around and maybe of all of the people that they kind of have in their kind of back pocket of these like quote unquote indie up and coming talents. Like she's the one who can, I guess, like eat it the best, right. She makes it look 
real and she'll eat the pin and it doesn't matter, you know, to her or anybody that it's her eating the pin, you know, she's doing the job um, and she's making it look good, I guess, because she can get tossed around pretty easy. That's just a theory. Who knows? We'll see what happens with Maddie Rinkowski, but I, I don't see anything special in her. Uh, I think she's just meant for this role. Uh, so it is what it is. Um, that ROH women's tournament also took a lot of women's talent. So, um, and I don't know the status of if they're signed, what that looks like, but I'm sure they were working similar dates and continuing to work similar dates. So they might have a little bit drier of a well than they did a few months ago. And I, I think impact is probably replenishing themselves as well too, because they've just had some people move on um, Ty Valkyrie. Tess Blanchard, obviously. So, uh, and Tasha Steele's now moving on, but, uh, but just, just another point of note is they might just not have as many women to go to as they did. Yeah, no, that's, that's also a valid point. Um, and actually that just made me think of something, um, for later. So thanks for that, Kate. Uh, you mentioned impact (laughs) in it it gave me a thought for later. So we'll get there later. Um, anyway, uh, you good on dark Denver schlong, anything else you want to call out? Nope. That's it. All right. Now, how about, uh, AEW dark Nolans? Uh, um, what do we want to talk about there? First, nice runtime of 44 minutes. That's what I like to see. Um, so, I'll, so one there's, this one is really more about, three stories that they they've been building on which i really like the first was sunny kiss and joey janela cut a promo and being back on the same page janela said no more go-go bars mommy milkers or sausage sausage castles um no more bad influences like marvez i put in my notes and i this was fun in the sense that like they didn't they're kind of telling a complex story where he comes back to sunny which i fully expect that to fall apart still but it's just nice to see them have a complex story rather than just, Oh, we turned and it's over, you know, let it play out a little. It's, it's fun. So that's the first thing. And I just, Janelle has been great recently. And this is the best version of him. Yeah. And it's, it's the closest to what he was doing on the Indies. It's so much fun. It's so silly. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's like a guy that's going to get suited for mega long runs. And I don't mean that in like a bad way. But seeing the fact that Nick Gage was on my television tonight, I'm like, man, his thing <laughs> might be more backstage and also being a hand. Like I didn't, I never considered him for like a, a role, like a cabana or a Seidel. Cause it's not like his technical stuff that gets him over, but he clearly loves this part of the business and he's very good at it. So I wonder if they'll lean into that more as we've seen so much GCW crossover, not even just on AEW tonight, but at GCW homecoming, we saw Penelope Ford. We saw Cesar Bononi. We saw uh, Marco Stunt. A lot of people um, coming to GCW. Marco Stunt was a GCW homer before he went to AEW, but we saw it work the other way this weekend. So it's just interesting. Like I had never thought about that side of him being something that gets propped up in AEW, but they've clearly already started to do it. So uh, I'm with you. This is the most fun version of the bad boy. I'm just curious as to like how much more of an impact he's having backstage in that regard too. Well, I think uh, 
the bad boy said it himself. Um, I think he was just feeling frustrated and was hanging out with uh, Marvez. And Marvez is a bad influence. I mean, what good has Marvez done besides, you know, somehow find a way to attach his name to the the complete list of Jericho book? I mean, my God, Marvez. Um, I mean, he's not that bad of an influence because all they've done is drink so much milk. Um, So it's not like he's the worst influence in the world because if Kurt Angle taught us anything, I mean, milk's not that bad of a thing. Um, so there's worse influences, but clearly he's the issue and not Joey Janela. But Kurt Angle wasn't drinking milk straight from the tap, was he? That's a very, that's a very fair point. That's a very there fair point. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Marvez seems like a bad influence. So I'm glad that Joey um, is maybe not feeling so f- frustrated lately. Um and we'll see what happens, but I'm with you, Ryan. I think that eventually he's going to go full, you know, uh, full heel turn on Sonny and, you know, we'll get a small program of them. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I like both of them. So I like seeing them on TV and I think Sonny can work really well. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens here, but it's an intriguing storyline they're telling on uh, dark standard dark. Uh, so we'll see where they go with this. Then my next thing to build to. Sorry, Kate, were you going to say something? Did I cut you off? Oh, I was just going to shout out Joe Evans for saying at least Dark Denver wasn't four hours and 20 minutes long. Well, you know, it would make sense getting that Rocky Mountain high. <laughs> so my uh, my next note is it was the acclaimed in Ryan Nemeth versus the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. The match is what it is. Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin won. But there are two highlights from this match. First, they did the highlight package showing the acclaimed anger and their attacks on the blondes. And they showed some stuff that I don't think had actually made it to TV or YouTube, whatever, where they uh, where Bowens apologized to Julia Hart for talking about her trip to Paris, if you catch the meaning. Um, and then, you know, Acclaim came out with her typical rap and insults Texas. Basically, it was pretty funny. And then after the match, Pillman actually had the microphone and he didn't, obviously he's not Max Caster on the, the mic. I don't even, he's not Bowens on the mic either, but he cut a decent promo of his anger and what's going, what's going on there. And uh, they're obviously going to have a match because varsity blondes are one claims two. it's all about those rankings that Kate loves loving this bill. That's been pretty much entirely on dark. I love no, that this. a build on dark. That's the only thing I was going to say. <laughs> it was like that oh, rules true. that there's a storyline on dark. And I like the rankings when they're used. My whole issue with the rankings was that they weren't being used. So, yeah. No, I'll say this. Uh, Shlong, I do believe that those, uh, those promos were on the show because I remember Bowen's going for the apology and then saying, we're not apologizing for shit. So, uh, I think those did make it, but the video package definitely was a good way of bringing everybody up to speed on kind of like where we are in this feud. So I, I thought it was a good way of kind of using the, the video package. Um, my second point about this is I realized they were in Texas. Maybe I'm ignorant. If somebody can explain to me the Ezekiel dog reference, um, you know, we don't have to do that here. 
but we could certainly do that another time. Uh, Cause I didn't get that. Uh, Max Kessler said something about being like something like Ezekiel's dog. And clearly he was talking about Zeke Elliott. Um, uh, but I don't know what he was talking about. Anyway, the third part that I want to call out is um, uh, Kate, did you see this as well as uh, Ryan? Uh, I saw some stuff. I didn't see it all. Okay. If you didn't see this match, you certainly should because Dante Martin stole the goddamn show. My God. Schlong, back me up. Dante Martin was the star. He he had a dive at one point that I, I mean, you have to watch him. He's just phenomenal. I, I, I'm sorry I downplayed the match now remembering it. I just get so caught up in the, the story being told, but he, he is honestly just phenomenal. And in this match, you're 100% right. I have never seen – well, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys fly in, in AEW, right? They have a lot of that talent. But I've never seen somebody fly so high from their feet, just like, you know, from the ground. I mean, Kate, the spot that Shlong is talking about here is – things eventually broke down and outside the ring you had like the varsity blondes kind of battling with um uh uh oh my god uh the acclaimed um and they were behind uh like one of the the ring posts right so they were on the outside in a corner behind the ring post and it was ryan nemeth uh and uh dante martin inside and ryan nemeth goes to irish whip uh dante martin into the turnbuckle where <clears throat> the acclaimed and uh the varsity blondes were on the outside and dante martin on his way into the turnbuckle dives over the turnbuckle to fly over the turnbuckle over the ring post and you know, give everybody kind of a lateral press on the outside. It was impressive because of the height and the distance he had to get just from his feet. I mean, the dude can fly. How do you find out you can do that is what I need to know. How are you reading my mind? I can, I know how to, I can clear that. How the hell do you know that you can clear that from your feet? That is an absolutely insane. I think I saw it in gift form, but I want to go back and watch the full match because I would love some context yeah. for it. But my word, I don't want to find out. I don't know how you find out that you can do that. <laughs> I I want to know how you basically get to the point of saying, you know what I want to try? I want to try because like there's no safe way to try that. You just have to do it. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's insane. And the other thing too, is, as you said, like, how do you know you can do that? Or like, how do you find out you can do that? I would just be happy and knowing what it feels like. And I've said it on this show before. And I think maybe in the discord, I would love to know what it feels like to have complete control ever over your every part of your body at any point in time, because like seeing what Phoenix does, what Dante Martin does, I would probably get an inch off the ground and be like, oh, nope, not going to happen. And like, not know how I'm going to land safely. Uh, so it's just ridiculous. But yeah, uh, that's Kate. You should go for sure. Check out that whole match. It's the main event of, uh, of 
regular dark. So check it out for sure. I definitely will. Uh, Schlong, I think you had one more match and storyline that you specifically wanted to call out here. I absolutely did. So the second one is Diamante versus Big Spole. Um, it was a fun match. I, you know, they had a good time. Uh, Diamante won by via cheating, which was perfect for her character. She had a swole pinned Diamante kind of like dropped down on her knees to pin swole and then grabbed the rope. So she couldn't be pushed off. It was a nice way to give her the win, but not really hurt swole at all. And they don't do that a lot. So I like it. Love this feud, you know, that was built in, again, built entirely on dark over the past couple of weeks. Um, the crowd didn't cheer much when they came out at first. I mean, got pot a little bit here or there, but you definitely, as the match was going on, you heard Swole chance, you heard the Amante chance. I'd also, and I'm going to make note of this here because it falls in. I'd love to know, I guess this was filmed probably after Dynamite, which to me is relevant because that's when a crowd is probably more tired, a little little less into things because um, you could feel the difference between the, the elevation crowd and this crowd. But they definitely got into this match. And, uh, you know, I just love that this whole feud and, and it really helped the Amante out. I think it's helping the division because you actually have another women's feud that's relevant and Diamante needed this. And I, I'm going to make a note. Um, when AEW came out with GM game, someone asked Fuego, why aren't you in the game? And Fuego said, I'm not signed. I can't be in the game. But you know who is in the game? Diamante. Maybe she signed, just didn't get the I'm all elite, which, okay, because they definitely use her a lot. And they, so I'd be fine with that. I'd love to see her move up to, to Dynamite, but this was fun and gives us something to to watch. It's a woman's feud because we only have one other one. So what the hell? Actually, we don't even have that right now. So we'll at least have a woman's feud. Yeah. Like they could have put it on dynamite instead of the dog shit that we had today, wasting Thunder Rosa's debut. But to your point about Diamante, um, I thought she and Ivalice were signed at the same time, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't think they ever got the eye, like, is all elite treatment because that's was even in Swole's promo. Like, they don't oh, do you that be- for everyone, though. No, but there's definitely a, a- in terms of like how they consider the roster, if you get that, you're definitely like, it's not like a tiered thing. You're like, yeah, like you, you are sign time, but to have her in the game, she must be, if she's not like sign time, she must be on like the, the highest level tier you can get because that's, that's, that's a lot. And she's clearly someone they trust and, and they like, cause they, they let her cut promos. They let her have Matt, like mini feuds. Right. She's been she's- carrying the women's division on dark. She's been, I love her. I like, uh, in general, I think <laughs> I like women that like will lay their shit in, in the ring. And she's definitely one of them. Like, I like when women and, and I'm just walking into so many like sexual innuendos and jokes here between talking about laying their shit in and working stiff. Like I just, but I do like stylistically, like I, it, it makes it more realistic when you're literally human beings that have smaller bodies, in my opinion, like there's, there's just something that's why I think so many of my favorite women's wrestlers have also trained MMA so often. Like every time I go back and, and see it, that they've at least had some sort of MMA background is a very, very common thread with a few exceptions. But, um, 
Diamante is, is a hard hitting young lady. Um, so if she's not signed, I, I hope they sign her. Cause I think she could have a very, very bright future there. She's like a very good and rare point in the women's division where she's not like super green. <laughs> like she is experienced. She's really solid and she's not, um, she can be someone that guides people through matches like a Serena Deeber or Thunder Rosa, I think. Like she's, I think, at that level where she can help other people look really good. So I'm all for it. I'm all for them building feuds, women's tag, whatever on, on Dark and Elevation too. I think it would have uh it would be great to see more of of that. So hopefully that's coming. And and say what you will, you know, we've had plenty of issues with <clears throat> you know, like the women's tournament and the tag team, you know, kind of tournament that they did with the women. But, you know, Diamante, you know, when Ivelisse was still there, Diamante and Ivelisse did win that tag team kind of tournament, right? So they felt something about uh, Diamante and and Ivelisse. So I, I think that if she's not signed there full-time, um you know, maybe it's only a matter of time. I do agree. She's one of the better women in that division. And I hope that they give her a little bit more of a push, um, you know, for a singles run, but I'm liking what she's doing with Swole. So, um, so it's interesting to see what next step they take now. Um, you know, Swole's not going to be happy with the way that that match turned out. So we'll see where, where this goes. Um, but Shlong, any other matches you want to call out on regular dark? Um, you know, anything else you want to kind of talk about? Hey, Kate, how come we didn't tell us you had a match? I mean, we had kill a Kate versus Abaddon. <laughs> because right. I was also at GCW homecoming this weekend. It was very busy for me as Penelope Ford and kill a Kate <laughs> and miss a Kate too. I, there's a lot of me around the women's indie wrestling world. <laughs> Well, this was another week for Abaddon since you brought it up uh, that, boy, you just really noticed the work she's been putting in uh, on her body, man. She looked, you know, she looks killer. Um, and, uh, you know, the match was what it was with Killa Kate. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody knew that thought that Killa Kate had a chance. But, again, this is kind of one of those things where it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Abaddon. Her character is one where it's like she doesn't take losses, right? But you got to do something with her at some point. She can't just keep running through uh, all these, you know, kind of dark talents. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think she is still one of those women who's a little green. I'm, you know, not afraid to say that. But her character is pretty awesome. That that angle they did with Sheeta, even though uh, it was short-lived, was actually a pretty fun angle. I wish they had played that out a little bit longer. But um you know we'll see what they do with abaddon but you're right schlong kate didn't even want to tell us that she was on tv this week i'm humble sure (laughs) um all right schlong i know we're not doing tip of the schlong because we got you the whole way here tonight but uh is there i mean from uh elevation is there one match you would say definitely go out of your way and check it out you know what? I mean, Pac versus Chuck Taylor is probably the best match, but watch Scorpio Sky versus Fuego del Sol. Let's have some fun. He's a Fuego Mark. No, I would have. I I would certainly go with the uh, the Pac 
uh, Chuck Taylor match. I thought that was fantastic. A lot of fun. Uh, and we get a little bit of that uh, angle with Andrade. And nope. then for Fuego. And for, for, it's all Fuego. Tornado DDT, baby. Hey, Wait, listen, even WWE is taking shots at him. I know. I didn't want to just call that out because uh, AJ Styles, who, you know, is he's okay in the ring. Um, <laughs> he did a Tornado DDT and all the little like Fuego stands went and ratioed it it was the funniest shit no ever. they ratioed because they wwe specifically tweeted the tornado ddt which they never tweet that so it was very much like they've been paying attention and then fuego stands got very upset well maybe they should pay attention to their own product because it's trash can i sidebar something here always oh, sure i think i learned about this stan uh saying uh, tonight i know it's what's hot in the streets and on the internet when all the kids are saying it and it was explained to me by one mrs money uh that a stan is like um like the eminem m song stan right yeah. mm-hmm. okay my my response to that is okay so it's supposed to mean somebody's like who's who's like a fanatic or a big fan right stalker mm-hmm. and fan combined well but but people forget that in are people forgetting that in that song stand that guy winds up killing himself i think um no i don't think they forget it i think they just conveniently dismiss it it, it, it so as far as i know it started like people using it like that insulting people being like too hardcore a little too crazy about it like but like anything hard. else yeah but like anything else it took on a life of its own and then just became that you're a really big fan a little it's almost like you're a little too big of a fan like i'm a stand for i'm a little probably a little too big of a fan but i'm not gonna kill anyone over it but it it, it kind of like if you really think about it fanatic isn't exactly the greatest thing to call someone but a fan is quite okay i will murder for fuego <laughs> i mean Stan in the song wasn't going to murder anybody. I think he might have said that. No, he, didn't he kill his um his his girlfriend while she was pregnant? Yeah, the, the, okay. I think the whole car drives they, off the side. Yeah, of he it. drives her into the thing and they found a girlfriend in the trunk. Yeah, but I think, well, that's a good point. But Eminem also, if you recall, his first, not infinite, but his first major release, uh, which I get always mixed up, the Slim Shady LP. Um, he has a song where he murdered his wife and he's got his daughter. Oh, his shit was dark. Like he was. First album so great. I'm not salting. Oh, Jesus Christ. So anyway, but I need dark. to go down the rabbit hole. Stop expecting better of me. It's on you at this point. I'm not changing. This is on you. Also, and by the way, Ezekiel Elliott's dog. I double checked. Um, but I thought this was true. His Rottweiler. This is like his second lawsuit over his a dog attacking people. <laughs> oh. So oh, he's nice. like, it's not like good. Um, but he has a, a Rottweiler that just uh, goes and hurts people. So that's okay. what that was in reference to. Interesting reference. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Schlong, I think I know what you're going to say, but your match to check out on Dark, what would that be? I mean, it has to be 
uh, acclaimed Ryan Nemeth versus Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. You have to go see that that hundred percent jump to the outside. You just have to. If you're there, go and watch Diamante versus Wool just because it's been a fun story. But if you're only spending for one match, it's that one. Diam- uh, Dante Martin is just too good to not watch that. I also want to say that even when we have schlong for the full schlong and not just a little tip, I feel like rib for her pleasure is maybe even more relevant than just the tip. So we can still call it that, right? Well, you know, because we're not doing the whole gimmick, I'm not really going in on all the gimmick stuff. But yeah, I guess it's a rib for her. Those are Schlong's ribs for her pleasure pick of the week. Uh, so definitely go check them out. Wow, that's right. Deserves it. Uh, all right, guys. So I think now is probably a good time for us to take a short break so that we can come back and discuss the rankings and fight for the fallen. That happened tonight. So uh, why don't you all stick with us? Stay tuned here. uh, And we will be right back after some words from some of the other great programs here on the Shining Wizards Network. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. Horns up, everyone. When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure every Friday to check out Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal is one of the longest-running podcasts on the interweb. And every week we bring you a fist full of metal, including interviews with all your favorite artists, discuss all the metal news, and feature the best tunes on the air today. So grab a Lemmy, join your cool Uncle Snowy, and co-host Aaron in the pit. Your recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting from the current to the way back. Join the impact player Phil Brea and the Portuguese Man of War Choppy for the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Live every week on RantEMRadio.com. Get all our episodes over at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Google Play, ShiningWizardsNetwork.com, and TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com. Are you tired of being told what to think and believe by Hollywood elites and politicians who just don't care about you? Tired of not getting the truth when you watch the news? Tired of trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Tired of mob mentality when all you want to do is think for yourself and make up your own mind? That's where we come in. 
This is Justin. And Vince. Your host of Inconclusive Breakdown. We are a weekly anti-PC podcast bringing you entertainment and current event news without any spin. If you want to truly stay informed on what's going on in the world, then give us a listen every Sunday, anywhere you get podcasts, at least till Zuckerberg and Twitter Jack deplatform us. And as always, we're proud members of the Shining Wizards Network. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Journey is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, pop in your VHS, and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast, hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. Also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network, and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. What's up, wrestling fans? You want something awesome? Check out Wrestling Night in Canada here on the Shining Wizards Network, where three Canadian metalheads uniting for the love of pro wrestling. Every episode, we go over all the latest news and special events with the odd, unique interview as well. So grab a cold one and check out Wrestling Night in Canada, eh? All right, folks, we are back and, uh,. <laughs> Why don't we talk about the rankings? This is Kate's favorite part. Even though Kate clearly, well, it must be her favorite part, Shalon, because she threw her camera. Uh, <laughs> I was say, and her camera knocked back and then went off. Wild oh excitement. <laughs> so we're going to run through the rankings because there's a couple of things I think that happened tonight where they clearly mentioned the rankings. So uh, we should at least bring them up here. In the men's division, uh, we know who our champions are. Uh, Kenny Omega is our world champ. Miro is our TNT champion. Uh, and there were no changes from last week. So it read this week, number one was Hangman Adam Page. Number two, Jungle Boy. Three, Christian uh, Cage. Four, Darby Allen, And five, Orange Cassidy. Again, no changes for the men this week, but it's important to kind of note where everybody sat, especially getting through the card tonight. Number, uh, I'm sorry, for the women, uh, Britt Baker is our champion. And number one is now Thunder Rosa. Uh, the newly all elite Thunder Rosa is the number one contender or the number one ranked woman at 20 and two, followed by uh, Tay Conti, Chris Statlander, somehow Hikaru Shida, and um, number five, Red Velvet. It is worth noting that Shida has nine wins and one losses. Every other woman, even Red Velvet, is in double-digit figure wins. So take that however you want. Uh, Nyla Rose did drop out completely from number one because she lost to Britt Baker last week, and then everybody else moved up a slot. Velvet came, Red Velvet came back into number five. Uh, and then the tag team division. Kate, you're on mute. I don't know if you want me to hear what you're saying. How many wins does Kenny Omega have? Kenny Omega has six wins, but it should also be noted that Miro has nine. And most of the men's division uh, are just over double-digit wins who are ranked. 
Hangman is 11, has 11 wins. Jungle Boy has 13. Christian has five. Uh, Darby has 13. And Orange Cassidy has 12. Comparatively, the women, Kate, Thunder Rosa has 20 wins. Britt Baker, the champion, has 12 wins. Tay Conti has 19 wins. Chris Statlander has 10. Uh, Sheeta has 9. And um, Red Velvet has 12. Now, I don't necessarily agree with Christian Cage being ranked that high right now, uh, if I can be completely honest, but uh, I don't know if they're going to burn him on a world champion just yet. So I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. My beef with Sheeta is the fact that she was the champ. She lost and she still stayed in the rankings and has really not done anything and is still sitting in the rankings. I mean, that was the same with Nyla. That's just what the women's division is going to be. If you don't have more than one match on TV, I feel like. So I will say this real quick. I don't, Sheeta's record has never been what bothers me because, again, like Kenny Omega doesn't go a lot. It's that if, like, Britt Baker is the way a champ gets used. They don't wrestle a lot once they win because the, the belt is special, but they're on TV constantly. Sheeta just wasn't on TV. She just, you like, that was the problem with her. Yeah. There was no promos, there was no vignettes. I'd also want to point out because it was in my notes for the darks and I needed to get stuck in someone else's head. Whenever I think of Statlander, I think of Cartman in South Park going, Outlander. <laughs> and it just is in my head so well, hopefully get stuck in someone else's thank you for now ruining that for me forever You're it will welcome. be stuck in my head eternally i have to sidebar us again real quick schlong you sound like you're a south park fan is that true yep did you see the news and it was in the hollywood reporter so i i do take it as somewhat true news there's no. rumors the rumor is that um uh, Matt and Trey are trying to purchase Casa Bonita. <gasps> oh, please God, let it happen. Casa Bonita. Dude, it is it is a real place, and it is exactly what they said in that show. There are cliff divers and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, the food's not great, but you don't go for the food. You go for the fucking experience. Oh, the Pirate's Cove. That episode is one of the best where he locks butters away. Amazing. I am also a South Park fan. I don't appreciate that only being directed at the schlong. In fact, I made an underpants gnomes reference on Twitter today that I'll get to when we talk about Miro. Um, but uh, yeah, Joe Evans thinks that schlong might be a South Park stan. Stan I was just... <laughs> Kate, I was actually just going to say, I know you're a South Park stan because you've referenced <laughs> underpants gnomes numerous times. Um, so stan Darsh. Phase three, profit. <laughs> What's phase two? We haven't figured that part out yet. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. Apparently the rumor is that they're trying to buy the actual Casa Bonita. I, I, that would be amazing. That, uh, those guys go. are great. I would straight if up I was, go. If I was out where it was, absolutely, without question. Ugh, dreams. Well, guys, let's get back to the rankings and wrap this up. Uh, for the tag team division, um, say this rankings is kind of... and rap in the same sentence, knowing the gimmick is dead. Ow! The salt's in my wounds. It hurts. My goodness. Um, so the, the tag team division is really kind of where I think 
if you're going to look at rankings and say, how does any of this make sense? It's kind of in the tag team division. Um, the Bucks are our champs. Number one ranked contenders are uh, the Varsity Blondes. Number two is the acclaimed three private party, four FTR, and five Santana and Ortiz. Uh, and really, like, this week Santana and Ortiz were just so conveniently put back in at number five. And they were going to face FTR. So, like, you know, they haven't really been tagging as a tag team, or you know, I think I read that the F, uh, Santana Ortiz their last um, uh, tag team match was uh, a win on June fourth um, against some guys in Elevation. So it's just kind of weird. They, the one place where you figure that they could actually use the rankings the way they're supposed to in the tag team division where they've got a lot of teams. Um, they're just not really doing it. So again, we talked about this with the women a while ago and then they kind of started to seem to call attention to the women and use the rankings a little bit better. They got to do it better with the tag team division. That's for sure. I will say, and I agree with you, but at least teams number one and two are feuding together somewhere in the AEW world because maybe like maybe they'll get a title shot or something like at least there's an acknowledgement of it somewhere even if it doesn't totally make sense (laughs) well the other thing kate is that out of nowhere Eddie eddie kingston and pentagon were number three and they're gone it's the assumption i guess that now that pack is back and the death triangles kind of reformed that that partnership is likely over, but still it's like one of those things where you're in the rankings and then you're just gone. Like, and it's gone. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, it's really, if you look at all of the rankings, even though there are certainly things that we all harp on with the rankings Right now, it's just so weird. The one division I think we find that they're most flush with talent, the tag division, um, they don't use those rankings to their advantage whatsoever. Um, So it is what it is. Um, So let's move on to Fight for the Fallen tonight. Now, it should be noted that Fight for the Fallen is a a special show that they've done for the past few years where – uh, you know, they raise funds for different uh, charities. Uh, this year's show was from North Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and funds raised uh, were said to go to uh, local programs for, for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, it was uh, AEW donated $100,000 uh, and announced initiatives to support Charlotte's Safe Alliance. So um, pretty awesome uh, cause uh, for this show uh and man after last week's ratings what were they kate over like a million again uh 1. for last 1. week's 3. show i think 1.13 yes. yeah something 1. like 1. that 4, um, actually don't don't discount oh, oh. that four don't well. discount that oh, four God, i was one of them <laughs> i was in that last <laughs> yeah last you were bit. at the very bottom you pushed it up to four i did i worked so hard so um so after last week i think there was a lot of anticipation for the show high high ratings a big card uh some stuff we thought we'd never see with nick gage being on this show in a uh no rules match which we will certainly be talking about later that's right 
Ooh, man, you brought it tonight between the brass knuckles and the pizza cutter. Beating them up. No dangly. Anyway. No, I didn't have enough time for the dangly. Uh, so uh, let's get to the start of this show. Um, we kick this off with the 10-man tag team between the super elite which was um, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks uh, versus Hangman Adam Page in the Dark Order, which was Alex Reynolds, uh, John Silver, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. And it was an elimination tag team match. Remember the stipulation here, folks. If Hangman in the Dark Order win, then Hangman gets his title shot against Kenny Omega, and the Dark Order gets a tag team title shot against the young bucks and if they lose uh then uh hangman kind of has to forget about kenny omega that was a stipulation going in here uh a couple things to note we have to talk about the intros here folks so um they did special intros for this high stakes match and first we get the hangman adam page and dark order intro and it's a whole video package about uh what makes uh, kind of a cowboy and uh, they had them all standing in front of a wall basically and their shadow was behind them and their shadows had cowboy hats on but they weren't wearing any cowboy hats and so they kind of talk about what makes a cowboy you know blah 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 and then they go back live to the studio and the dark order is kind of lined up on the stage the lights are coming on and when we get to center there's hangman adam page coming through the center uh entrance and he has on the coolest wrestling gear I've seen him wear in a long time. The black leather jacket with fringe, purple fringe, uh, and black leather pants, black leather boots. And all on the jacket and pants, in addition to the fringe that was on the jacket, were purple roses. Uh, and to anybody who maybe didn't understand what was going on, uh, on being in the elite this week, there was a segment where... Um, the Dark Order actually gives Hangman a present. And Hangman looks a little hesitant about it, but he says, you know what? This is a perfect time. I'm going to use it. You know, I'm going to wear this this week. And that's clearly what happened. He accepted the present from his friends. Conversely, Kate, the entrance for uh, the Elite was basketball inspired. You want to talk about that? Oh my gosh. It was basically a giant space jam situation but before that even we got all the intros and it didn't even occur to me that kenny omega was in north carolina so great and then they had the elite squad banner and there were just basketball nets set up at ringside for essentially no reason but almost a reason because john silver like went through one it was so good and most importantly, corporate synergy. That's right. They had that tie-in, I guess, to Space Jam, even though the new one blew. Um, and they, uh, yes. Here's your chance. What? Do your, do your dance. I saw where she was going. It's a Space Jam. Oh, God. It's your chance to your dance, dance at the Space <gasps> Jam. I never All had right. an enabler. Thank you. Ryan. It rules. See this, Ryan? Ryan, see this? Yes. <laughs> yes. If I come to Ring of Honor in Philly, I'm going to bring these with me. and They're oh going to meet your face. Leave I'm bringing the, the pizza cutter. 
I was going to just say, I don't know if you're making it through security, pal. What? There, it's a belt buckle. I'll put it on my belt. Wait, can I, can I interrupt this regularly scheduled program with a question? Sure. What did I miss with Domino's and Nick Gage? I saw the pizza cutter ad during his match. Did they do a promo and give away pizza? Or did they just run a strategically placed ad with his face on it? Because they uh, might go order some Domino's and leave this podcast in the dust. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything about that. I don't necessarily know. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe Joe knows. Yeah. We'll Joe, have to see. Joe. Anywho, let's go back to the start of the show. Um, so we get through the intros and now we're set up for this match. Um, I'm not going to go through everything that happened at every step, but let's go through the eliminations. We get Alex Reynolds eliminated first by a pinfall. It's a schoolboy pin uh, with a handful of tights from Carl Anderson. Uh, and then um, Carl Anderson gets eliminated by pinfall with a fatality from Eva Luno and Stu Grayson. Um Doc Gallows and Stu Grayson then uh, at eventually rumble outside and they get eliminated via double countout, which we don't see a lot of that in AEW. So it was interesting to get that. Uh, Evil Uno then uh, gets eliminated by pinfall with the one winged angel from Kenny Omega. Sad to see Evil Uno bite it with the one winged angel and that he's not the one to kick out, but nobody does. Um. John Silver then gets in and gets his chance, but he gets eliminated by pinfall with the BTE trigger from the Young Bucks. So if we're keeping count now, we're at the point where we're down to Hangman Adam Page uh, against the Young Buck, uh, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. So at this point in the match, uh, we get down to Matt Jackson getting eliminated by pinfall with the Buckshot Lariat, and then uh, we get the Elite actually winning this match by last eliminating hangman adam page by pinfall with the one-winged angel from kenny omega so folks there was a lot of talk about this in the discord um few things we didn't think we were going to see that hangman adam page and uh kenny omega actually touched right after a couple weeks of them not touching or just being able to getting ready to touch each other it doesn't happen and tonight in this match where we had kind of leading up to this all hope that it wasn't going to happen it actually happens and hangman actually doesn't win his shot now i know exactly what's going to happen schlong kate's going to launch into this whole thing about a lot of the rumors and innuendo circling about what's coming in chicago and how it's got to be this guy going against this guy and this guy is a guy that she loves stop he's a cult of personality and you know uh blah 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 but no wrong kate don't make me use my mute button all right uh so schlong i want to go with your opinion first um what did you think of this because quite frankly no sir i didn't like that so first off the match was amazing i mean it just entrance i didn't get a chance to talk on the entrances because kate is the resident space jam lover but all of it was perfect joe mentioned i'm going to reference joe before kate can in uh the discord how it was kind of neat to see the uh you know the elite 
he said it to me, so I get to say this, how the elite came out and they were the goofy ones acting silly, but the, the Dark Order were the ones taking it serious, which in other places, that's usually flipped, that the, the good guys are the goofy ones. So I thought that was really nice. Um, again, the match is awesome. I, I love that the final two Dark Order people were John Silver and Hangman Page. AEW really knows who's over because there was a lot of Johnny Hungy chants. A lot of Johnny Hungy chants. Yeah, there were. So this is what I'm going to say. I'm not, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because this story has been told so well over the course of the year that they've, they've earned this trust from me um, that this isn't, that this is just a stop, not a stop. It's just another building block in this story and that you're going to see Hangman earn his shot back somehow. How I don't know yet, but I feel like they didn't want it to be so simple and they have time to kill before they get to the pay-per-view. So they needed to fill this week. So maybe he has to, I don't know how, but my guess is that he earned a back smell. I think there's also an interesting story that he lost, but I'm hoping the story they tell is that instead of spiraling, like he has in the past, the dark order is there with him now and you see a better hangman page. I think that'd be a real fun story to tell and kind of a little unique since he's, you know, a lot of times in wrestling, when the guy loses, he blames the organization. I'd like like his team. I'd like to see this time. He, he sticks up for them because that would just be a different story. So that's where I'm at. I get why you don't like it because there is fear of where is it going and they've been telling this so well, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for right now because this has been one of their best told stories. Well, Kate, we now have to get your opinion. What do you think of this whole thing? And I want to be very clear on something real quick. Um, I didn't dislike the match. I didn't like the outcome and I understand what you're saying Schlong and I'm sure Kate sort of feels the same way is that we give them the benefit of the doubt for storytelling because it's been done so well but I really don't want to take any left turns that's my worry Kate what do you feel about this whole thing surprise surprise motherfucker I agree with you (laughs) Um, okay so a couple of things we ad nauseum have talked about the inconsistencies in the refereeing and it being bad. What I don't need is JR saying that on commentary at all. I think that makes it 10 times worse. I like that they're listening, but him being like surprised, it, it was like the sarcasm he did it with. I'm like, motherfucker like no uh so that was like a huge issue for me actually um i would rather them just fix the refereeing than talk about how it's bad on commentary there were a couple things he did on commentary tonight that i did not like that was one of them second of all as noted the entrances ruled um and what you were saying about the pops two things about that one the hangman pop started before he even got out there it started with the video package that you were referencing cowboy shit chance like crazy unbelievable this is the payoff and again not to be all comparison but i don't even think i have to hear when you clearly and logically tell stories for 18 months persistently You know who the good guy is, and you usually cheer for them, and you know who the bad guy is, and you usually cheer for him. Not always, as we found out later in this episode, but that has not been the case with some of these other products that are hitting the road. So this is the reward for that. You get insane reactions for 
faces like Hangman Adam Page because of the way he's been built. I love seeing that payoff. We see it with Rosa. We see it with Eddie Kingston. Like, it's fantastic to see them get rewarded for the thing that they did so well in a time that is very difficult to do that. The match was awesome. I loved the spots where the innate tag teams were working together right in the beginning with Silver and Reynolds working together of like, hey, even within this group, we have like this mini group and we work together. Stu Grayson, uh, the spot where they did not catch him was scary. The rest of his work in there, holy shit. He's going to go on a singles run someday. That's going to be fantastic. And I look forward to it. Um, The rumors. Hold on. Before you get to the rumors. Can I also call out something I forgot? Um, there were a couple of times, tell me if I'm crazy. There were a couple of times like early on in this match, the cameras just fucked up some Awful. shots too, right? Like there was the moment where I think the entire Dark Order suplexed like the elite and it wasn't seen on TV. They were for some reason fixated on like Stu Grayson on the outside. And then there was the other thing that happened where like, uh, I think Uno and Stu Grayson like pulled the bucks off of the uh, the ring apron um, and then climbed in the ring to distract Carl Anderson. Like, what the fuck, guys? Like, this is the big, ma- this is like the big opening match, like this huge thing we've been building towards. That just really got me. And then things, and then things leveled off, right? Like, I didn't really notice that much stuff after that, but my God, like two huge spots. You got to be better than that. It's always like, I feel like so much in wrestling across literally every company, maybe except ROH is fantastic at this actually impact WWE. I'll have this issue where it's just overdoing it. Put the camera on the fucking ring. Like it's not that hard. Um, the occasional crowd shot, the occasional schmoz around the ring, of course, but like usually it's an instance of over-engineering and not the, the other way around. So that's really annoying. Um, rumors that got revealed later in the show kind of imply that a CM Punk, who I'm the biggest well, mark, well, we, it's, it's relevant here. We get, well, let's jump back to when we get there because I think we're going to come back to, like, okay. I think we have a lot of rumor talk. So... Through. Then I, I will leave it as I did not like the booking of this actually. Um, okay. I do, I'm kind of somewhere between you and Schlong. <laughs> that sounded dirtier than it was meant to. My feelings hey, on the Hart. subject are a blend of the two of yours. Um, of I, I didn't like the way this match was booked, but I do have a tremendous amount of trust that they will tell a great story because they have up to this point. Um, I, my biggest fears were quelched later in the show, which we can get to, which is um, I don't want additional people of any caliber from anywhere else to interfere with the story until it's done. I do think All Out still ends with a Hangman Adam Page beating Kenny Omega for the title and an insane reaction. I think we still get there. I think there's just a lot of time until we do. So maybe this speed bump in the road this is more of a speed bump on the road to that same story, not a left turn in that story is what I think and hope. Um, but they've earned my trust with it. They, they tend to pay these off really well. So fingers crossed, but no matter who I'm a mark of, it could be a time traveled Bret Hart. I don't want him touching this story. Leave it alone. 
Yeah, uh, that's just that's my fear is that and we'll talk about the rumors when we get there. It's not too far, much further ahead. We'll jump back to this, but I don't want I'm with you, Kate. I don't want there to be some other wrinkle in this story. Like that was the whole thing, I think, when it was like he's not going to win the title and then he's eventually going to win the like I don't want it to be delayed again. Like I want to wrap this story up because it's been told so beautifully. Um, So I've just got like that little bit of fear in the back of my brain but we'll see where this goes it's going to be interesting to see how they play this uh next week or even uh the week after because next week's card is is already pretty stacked up uh so let's move on we will definitely touch back on this storyline later on uh to address the rumors but from this we go to a pack interview backstage uh where he says that the lucha brothers are here at the airport but somebody has canceled their car and then Andrade and Chavo. Uh, wait, I'm sorry, Schlong. Who enters with Andrade? Chavo. Oh, <laughs> Chavo. Thank you. Uh, and Chavo apologizes for any travel issues, but he says that they've booked a limousine for the Lucha Brothers. And Andrade warns Pac to learn to treat people, uh, learn to treat his people better, because if he doesn't. They'll work for someone who will. And that is the end of that. So again, we kind of see this uh, Andrade maybe trying to sway some of this uh, Latino talent towards some sort of stable that he appears to be building. And Kate, I was, I'm on, I'm still on board with your uh, theory of kind of what's going to happen here. If you would like to explain it to those who maybe haven't been listening. Sure. So I think um, they're going to take the portion of the New Japan stable Los Ingobernables, which I said better than JR, but not nearly as well as a native speaker. (laughs) What? Um, That's in ROH uh, called La Faccion Ingobernables. Um, That has been on ROH, I think, First of all, there's a couple of really cool things about it. One, Andrade has worked with them in the past. So it's a a very natural story to be told. And two, this is the only door that remains forbidden or the only plank in the forbidden door that hasn't been opened outside of MLW, which I I just don't see fitting in maybe right now. Um, But the way Andrade has come in saying that he wants to be an advocate for Hispanic talent that just seems like such a, a logical move. And we also saw in person, we saw Roosh uh, drop the title to Bandito, which opens up the door for that storyline. And that title change was such a big surprise that I think they did it for the fans, certainly. But I think that might also free up the room uh, for the storyline. So that's where my money is. I can't predict anything anymore about cross promotion with talent, but I mean, that would be truly insane as they would then have been working with impact NWA women's division, new Japan, and then uh, ROH. There's no one left other than MLW and somewhere that nobody is ever going to touch. So uh, it's really cool. And it would be yet again, a very organic crossover um, going from, from platform to platform. And don't forget, too, uh, both of you guys, don't forget, to a lesser known extent here in the United States, but they do have that relationship with AAA. And we will get Andrade 
Uh, no, I, I mean, listen, kid, I honestly forget about it a lot because we just don't, we're not exposed to AAA, uh, you know, as much here in the States. And quite frankly, they don't really talk about it. But um, Andrade is on course to meet Kenny Omega in AAA. So something maybe could happen uh, with some interference or some people maybe jumping from AAA. They've also got that connection with the Lucha Brothers. So uh, it'll, it's interesting to kind of see where they decide maybe to pull some talent from um if they do have a kind of working relationship to bring people over from AAA, they admittedly i don't think they would be as well known as uh like i think lfi is the way to go right like i think uh you know roosh having roosh come in is is kind of the way to take this but we'll see what happens uh you know like you said those low sinker no blows uh <laughs> you know that um, was an alarmingly accurate impression of jr by the way well, I can't sometimes. wait, wait to hear him call Brian Danielson, Dan, Daniel, Daniel Bryanson 900 times. It'll be interesting. Uh, but oh, no. uh, Schlong, um, what do you think? Do you think, uh, I mean, first of all, I guess the question for you, Schlong, is do you kind of like where this is going? Do we, are we interested in a, uh, you know, kind of like all, latino hispanic uh wrestler faction is that something that that gets you excited so a couple things one i love the classic heel tactic of oh we canceled your car and now i'm going to get you a limo it's so old school wrestling i love it um i really am excited for lfo to come join i love their songs i like it when the girl stops by for the summer but in truth i kind of am um in the sense of it all depends on how they do the story. Obviously, you know, other companies don't necessarily do these type of things very well. They feel very tone deaf, I guess is a good word. You know, when they try to do these all one ethnicity uh, factions, but if it's done properly, I I'm very excited for it. Um, everyone involved here so far is just amazing. You know, there's not one person on here that couldn't be a singles champion or a tag champion, or just, a, they're all stars. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. I think this was a perfect way to bring Igaloo in um, because he, you know, you didn't want to put him for belt. You didn't want to put him for belts right away because there's, who was he going to go against? This is a great first feud. It, it, people he's established with and the matches will be amazing. Two quick things. One, I love you guys. I had the dumbest day and you guys just make me laugh a lot Two. I think Rampage might be the introduction to a trios title, and these might be inaugural, one side or the other. This might be like your inaugural feud of Rampage or of the trios belts in general or something. Like, I think it's extremely possible that that's the case. So um, that would be such a good way to legitimize both a brand new faction and the belt because it feels like there's already star power behind it. So I think that would be really, 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 really cool. So hear me out. Andrade no. Igolo needs people. Who was a luchador? Maybe the best luchador in Alabama that needs an, a faction. He could leave the Nightmare family and join the Igolo Fuego del Sol. What do we think? I am no, no one 47 million percent in. <laughs> I mean, 
it would be interesting. What I think they could do with something like that, to be honest, is like uh, Andrade could maybe like, you know, be like, we'll give you a shot. You're not like, you know, you're not really taken seriously and stuff like that. So maybe slowly we see Fuego turn into some sort of shitty heel, right? Like he starts doing little heelish stuff, you know, maybe he calls for the tornado DDT and he's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to give it to you guys. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, it'd be amazing. He, it could, it could be really fun to see that slow turn. And at the same time, it could be, it could be like maybe something like that does happen, Ryan, where it's like they show the interest and he just does, he's not a fit for them. And then now he's kind of raging against this uh, faction for not being included, but either way, I, I don't, I don't necessarily hate it. I also think he could fight Pac and be like, hey, one British guy, what are you doing here? <laughs> and one of these things is not him. like the other. <laughs> oh my God. Possibilities are endless, people. Especially when you count Fuego del Sol in the mix. But we'll see where this goes. Uh, so we didn't actually see. There goes Kate throwing her camera. So excited. <laughs> keeps having into her camera. Fuego again. Uh, she clearly doesn't have her camera secured like she thinks she does. Anyway, um, from this, we go to Taz on his FTW podium or riser, whatever that thing was. Uh, and he gives Ricky Starks his big intro and Ricky Starks makes his way to the ring. He's got a live brass band and everything for his celebration, sort of New Orleans style. And then Starks, Starks gets in the ring on the mic and says that he loved the intro. He notes that Will Hobbs uh, would have loved it too, but he's not there because he's out recruiting, which I thought was sort of interesting. Um, and then he talks about winning the championship, uh, the FGW championship, by the way, it's not a recognized title uh, by any promotion. Uh, but um, he says that they got rid of the garbage. That was Brian Cage he, and that Ricky Starks has been the glue and the anchor of team Taz since day one. He can't let things slide. Uh, he could forgive Cage costing him matches, but he can't forgive Cage uh, not checking in on him when he broke his neck. And that's when uh, he realized he's a selfish guy and he doesn't know the meaning of teamwork, Cage that is. Uh, so Ricky says uh, that he knows how to be a star and Cage couldn't even get an ounce of charisma to rub off on him if, he, if they stood together. Uh, and that's when Brian Cage comes in. He quickly drops the trombone player. I was very nervous about that trombone player's uh, teeth getting knocked out. Uh, if his horn was in his mouth, um, uh, he smashes the bass drum uh, over the percussionist's head. Uh, and then with the trombone in hand, uh, to which uh, JR slyly says, there's no place for trombones in wrestling. I thought that was fun. Uh, Cage gets into the ring uh, and breaks it over his knee. Uh, Starks throws the roses that he had and runs away. So again, Cage and, uh, and Starks are sort of on this collision course. They've had their match, but it's not settled yet. Brian Cage is now officially, clearly, they've said on television that he's out of Team Taz. Um, and Hobbs is somewhere recruiting. So guys... What did we think of this? I'm gonna to go to I'm gonna to go to Kate first because I think I got Schlong's take on the uh, on the first match first. Kate, uh, you know, does this interest you? It's kind of odd to see that Starks is getting such a great response, 
and Cage is getting like popcorn farts in church. Um, you know, like nothing is happening uh, with Cage. And to be honest, I don't have a reaction for Cage either because I don't really like him or find him interesting. So I don't know. What do you feel about this? Yeah, so uh, it's gonna be difficult to keep Ricky Starks is such a good heel though I don't want him to turn face but this is one that's felt like okay last week was his hometown uh this week he tried he tried to say you guys can't hear because you're all inbred um but he just comes across as really likable the only thing and Starks doesn't usually do stuff like this so I'm wondering if they are turning him face to say you didn't check in on me when my neck was broken is like, like, yeah, that that's too justifiable. That's too good of a reason. That's too baby face of a reason uh, to actually like hate someone. So that's my only thing a little bit as I was like, wait, yeah, no, that would make cage dick. Like, of, <laughs> of course. So I don't know if they're turning this, um, but there haven't been many people that have gotten like next to crickets reactions and cage kind of got next to crickets reactions starks getting uh the wrong reaction to me is an, a lot better situation than someone not really getting any reaction so maybe when they pull out of the storyline because cage is built physically not built in canon but physically built like such a monster they can find some really like fun wreck it ralph type angle something um that maybe they like should have done with a lawn a braun Strowman in wwe or a lance archer and a baby face run before this uh new japan stuff like uh, you gotta love a big guy that just goes and destroys a bunch of shit right like that's just fun so um yeah this this storyline has me concerned i think the the starks injury might have just worn out it's it's welcome on this a little bit between not being on the road uh and people just being the natural excitement you have when somebody comes back from an injury right like it's hard to come back as a bad guy when people liked you anyway and now they're genuinely excited to see you in the ring uh it's it's tough to keep those heels reactions especially when the face isn't really over so um the good people of north carolina seemed confused by this segment um i i didn't love it um but i love ricky starks so schlong do you think now personally i don't think they're going to turn stark's face but I think it's just a matter of finding the right face for him to go against to really make him that hateable heel, right? Like, so in my mind, Cage just isn't that likable face. Um, I think a lot of people are very mixed on Brian Cage. Um, but, like, obviously putting Starks with somebody who is beloved, like a Darby Allen, just an example. If you put Starks with Darby Allen, clearly – Darby's the face and Ricky Starks is the heel, right? So do you think, first of all, I want your opinion on this segment, but do you think it's just the matter of finding the right person to work opposite of Starks to make him that true heel? So first on the segment, love the segment, love that Xavier Woods responded to the trombones don't belong in wrestling. That's excellent. 
I took that personally. Um, <laughs> I think I'm kind of with you. I think Starks is, and this is not a negative, but I'm going to, it's going to sound like it at first. You're always in an uphill battle with Starks as a heel, at least right now, in the sense of if you don't put the right face against him, he's always going to be the one that gets cheers. I think he's so likable and so fun to watch. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's, I don't know. Brian Cage is, I feel bad. I don't want to say I feel bad for Brian Cage. I mean, man, successful has does well, but I don't think they've ever given him a, a great personality. Like, and I know you can't give someone a personality, but he came in was just Taz's bruiser and has just kind of been part of Taz. Starks got to come in and kind of be Starks for a little bit. And then in Taz continued to get to be Starks. I don't know enough about Brian Cage to know what he has outside of this, but they've done him no favors in terms of, of getting over. And so it's going to crush it. It's just, he stands no chance against Starks. Who's just, I mean, oozes charisma. I mean, the guy comes out to the ring, you're like, whoever this is, I want to watch him. So, but I do agree with you hundred percent. Unless you give him a face that is as over as he would be, as, as he is, he, he stand, he's always going to get the cheers. That's a really good point. And that Cage's entire run in AEW has basically been the storyline, right? Outside of him being the surprise entrant. Like, I don't think he's really had another storyline. So you're right. This got stuck in the mud for so long. Like there just hasn't been anything else to explore. So maybe we just need to move on. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be, personally, I don't think this is going to be a long feud, like a long burn. I think they're going to, somehow get to the end of this feud and move on and then put Ricky Starks in with somebody else who's going to get the right reaction, but we'll see what happens. Um, guys, after this, we went into a pre-tape package that I was quite honestly a little floored about. Uh, we get a video package promo from Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, and he's talking, um, uh, He's talking about the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship being the one belt he's never hold. And he promises to challenge the winner of the match tonight uh, for the belt. So, guys, that's all we got in that moment. We do get some more details on that later, so we'll get to it when we get there uh, and we get something else that ties back to this. So, right now, I just want your opinion on um, this video package um kate i'm gonna throw it to you first uh actually slog i'm gonna throw it to you first uh sorry kate i'm just trying to go back and forth here um, my hands. <laughs> i'll let kate go let kate go she she's oh, so no, just, no 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 go, go, go. i'll just um it, it's insane he for those of you who don't follow new japan he has had an incredibly storied career um and on most episodes of a wrestling show, this would be the thing that was like a huge deal. And we were like a half hour into this episode and this is like number four, maybe on the list or number three. This is, this is a very big deal for, for those of you who don't follow new Japan, which it seems like there's a very big crossover audience. And I also just like a couple of things about this one. Um, It's cool that they are continuing to bring Japanese talent onto AEW dynamite. Uh, to face Lance Archer to um, Lance Archer's best work in his career before AEW was in New Japan. That's kind of the promotion that made him. And three, um, New Japan 
programming, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion right now, has had some questionable booking decisions, but they have also been just shattered by several injuries and from from back and forth with some of this COVID protocol stuff uh, and, and outbreaks, not just the protocol, the protocol, because they've had a lot of positive cases and, and issues. Um, so it, it seems like a very good scenario for them to be able to put um, their product in front of a Western audience. It gives Lance Archer a something to do, which is what I've wanted and B something um, with opponents that he's familiar with, with programming that he's familiar with just a, a really, really good situation all around. And again, like Tanahashi being on our screen and any other episode would be the biggest deal of the night, but there were so many more to come. Don't let this get lost in the significance and what it is. If you're not a new Japan person, just Google Tanahashi and you'll you'll understand his legacy pretty quickly but I really love that a Lance Archer has been given something to do and b that it's going back to the promotion that made him on AEW like that's that's something that's really special that I don't think I realized how special it was last week that they're continuing to let this unfold in front of our eyes because he's later in his career and he didn't really hit his stride and until that new japan run right before he signed for AEW. so i i was stunned by this and i'm so excited about it it's great and it's worth mentioning because you you specifically called out tanahashi's kind of storied career in new japan uh, and the other talent we've seen from New Japan. I mean, we get Hikuleo tonight, right? And we'll talk about that. I wouldn't call him like one of the big, big, like huge Japanese talents in NJPW. Like, I'm not Japanese talents, but one of the huge talents in New Japan. My apologies. But Aesthetically, like, yes, but not like uh, a marquee name. Sure, <laughs> right. But, but they have, it, it's not like New Japan has been giving mid-card talent to AEW, I mean, Tanahashi is the highest of high that you could give. And then Moxley had, um, oh, I'm spacing on the name. Moxley had uh, two fights for that title. And I can't, I just, I had the names in front of me and I lost them. Uh, but top tier talent within New Japan uh, has been on on AEW television. Uh, so they're not just giving like uh, a, a mid-card guy here and there. That Yes, Kenta. Uh, and um, yeah, Kent is not fuck. a slouch, by the way. <laughs> no, yeah, I just I can't remember who the second match was with Moxley. Now, I uh, my brain is fried. Anyway, so Schlong, um, I'm uh, to be honest, Schlong, I'm not sure how high you are on New Japan. Like me personally, like I recognize the significance of Tanahashi, like because he's one of the marquee names, and I've seen him wrestle, you know, live at MSG, and I've seen him you know, in plenty of big matches on new Japan cards that I've happened to check out. So I understand that significance, but I wouldn't necessarily say I am a, an, an expert or even like a well-versed fan of new Japan. Um, is this something that really hits for you? Are you, are you a huge fan or even a fan in general of new Japan that this would, would hit home for you? I'm very upset that Kate decided she had to go before me. Just so rude. It was Nagata, actually, by the way. Yuji Nagata was the other person. That's it. Like, Nagata. <sighs> so I'm actually glad. I, the reason I wanted Kate to go before me is because I'm not a New Japan follower. I don't watch it. I have caught a thing here or there. Like, I know who their people are. I think I've seen one or two events. Um, I know the name, 
which says something, the fact that I don't follow, but I still know that name. Uh, so I think this is awesome. The one thing I will point out, though, is I think during Lance Archer's match, they mentioned this would be happening at New Japan. Well, we, they they do mention that later, and we'll get to it because they kind of solidify the details. And plus, we get another package later that we'll dig a little deeper into. Uh, but yeah, they did. That's all we got in this moment was basically that Tanahashi would be getting his shot at the IWGP United States uh, Heavyweight Championship uh, against whoever the winner was in tonight's match. So, even but even not knowing the details, I mean, just having Tanahashi be like, "I'm getting this match in some fashion uh, against an AEW talent, whether it would be on their TV or not," I think is a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I think just having the promo is a big deal to, to show that, like, you know, here we are. I, I This is the kind of stuff that, you know, all these promotions working together, it doesn't necessarily have, have to happen all the time. It doesn't even have to be the biggest storyline. It's just these fun, like, one of the, I, I'm going to go back, but one of the fun things about WCW back in the day was they had relationships with New Japan and they had relationships with Mexican promotions. And these guys would just sometimes stop in. And have mini feuds. I mean, not their mainstay cruiserweights, but some others. And it was always just kind of fun to have a you know, not know who was going to be in the rotation. Some guys would randomly stop in, and that's kind of fun here, where I don't mind a one-off because it, it's not hurting any stories, but you, it still does feel important because they're basing it on a belt. They're basing it on two promotions going at each other. It's just been a real good time. So even though I don't know Tanahashi too well, I know his name. I know he's very important, and from that. And I also, let's just be fair here, you don't even have to know who he is in New Japan. The fact that he's getting a promo and, and the, the whole video and the video kind of goes over who he is a little bit, you knew he was important. Without knowing who he was, you knew he was important. And maybe I just like to get into things. That's all I need. Just tell me that I should care, and I probably will. Very rarely, if you don't, very rarely do I try to fight that too hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think commentary did a good job on kind of hyping up who this is. Uh, for those who might not know, but this does seem, uh, you know, as Kate was saying before about all the, the crossover that kind of goes on between AEW fans and other promotions. I think this is one most would be familiar with. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. We get some more details on it later, so we'll touch up on it again. But we do go from that to FTR uh, versus uh, Proud and Powerful. Uh, so we're not going to go through this whole match. It is worth noting, though, towards the end of this match, um, uh, Cash Wheeler was up on the top rope, and I, I believe it was Ortiz, uh, goes in to shove him off the top rope, and he he falls on the turnbuckle. The camera didn't catch the whole thing, but it looks like he he kind of fell off the top turnbuckle. He didn't necessarily sit down on the top turnbuckle, but he sort of slipped off it and. Immediately, you saw him grab his arm. Um, and, you know, I haven't looked up any kind of follow-up or anything like that, but it looked like there was concern. Um, the referee does come over and take a look, and he's immediately signaling to the doctors on the outside of the ring. He's immediately signaling. Uh, and, you know, we've got Ortiz and, and Dax now kind of in the corner, and they're just kind of like wrestling around and scuffling. Uh, and you could hear Paul Turner basically say it was audible. I'll have to go back and watch it, but it was audible enough to hear hear him say something to the effect of uh, he's hurt. You know, we've got to go. We've got to go home. 
and clearly uh, he was out of the rest of that match. He, you could see him on camera at one point walk across the outside off camera. Um, he was gone. And then basically they kind of rushed to the finish here. It looked like there was one or two awkward moments there at the end, but they do get to the finish. FTR wins by pinfall with a uh, brain buster from Dax Harwood on Ortiz. Um, and then uh, Dax does get out of the ring after the match and go over to where cash is being tended to by medics. It looks like a pretty nasty cut on his arm uh, from coming off that top turnbuckle, which is weird. I just didn't see anything that would have not the fall, but I didn't see anything in that turnbuckle area that would make me see some way that he could have cut himself unless it was on the ring post somehow. But uh, I hope that all is well. He did look like he was bleeding pretty good. Uh, so it will be unfortunate if uh, cash is out for uh, some period of time. Um, anyway, um, that's kind of the match. So, you know, to be honest, guys, it was going to be, I think, hard for them to um, to kind of do anything too big after that opening 10-man bout, uh, right? So there were parts of this match that seemed a little slower that the crowd just seemed exhausted from that opening bout uh, that I was a little surprised. Some of the reactions seemed a little kind of, uh, you know, kind of tamped down from the crowd. Um, but I thought it was a pretty good match until the, the injury or the cut that took place at the end. Um, Schlong, let's get your take first. What'd you think about this match? Finally get to speak for Kate. Gee, she just likes to hog the spotlight. Um, I really, I was actually True. really enjoying this match. Um, I, it was definitely a different pace than the opener, but I thought that was f- kind of what was fun about it. You know, it was a very traditional tag match with two teams that are just at the top. I mean, I don't think you can get two better teams in the world. Um, Pride and powerful definitely got cheers when they came out. So fans are very big in on them. And hopefully once their, their thing with the inner circle is done, they, they keep getting their run, which you can kind of see happening now. They're coming out with Conan. They're, they're, they're having some fun. Um, I was thinking, you know, obviously that the whole match is marred by the, the ending. It was too, it was quick. It was rushed for a very obvious reason of the injury. Um, I'd love to know what was planned just to see if they had a different way of getting there. Cause obviously prime powerful, you know, they took the proud and powerful took the, 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 the clean loss. Was there supposed to be something else? And they had to work around it. I was looking at pictures while you were talking of the, the AEW ring. I was trying to see, cause they pad the the chains that connect the, the turnbuckle to the post. I'm wondering if one mm-hmm. of them maybe came loose. And when he came down, he hit just metal, like, like a piece of the metal or something. The thing, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so that area is always scary when you have a cut because there's a lot of veins and there's an artery that goes down that way. You could be very scared. Also, you hope that maybe it's not as major. They just couldn't wrestle when he's bleeding that much and that it stitched up and he'll be back in no time. So I'm hoping it's more, you know, that route, but it was scary to see him like fall, look at his arm and go, okay, I'm done. And literally just go right over the corner. And that was the end of it. That's, that's never a good sign, especially when, you know, you could see the blood coming around. You're like, oh, please don't have hit anything serious because that could be bad. But, I mean, I really enjoyed the matchup until then. I love that they called out that they were using the the tag rope, that it's part of, you know, FTR's contract. I think that's always fun. Yep. Um, these, like I said, uh, I'll leave it at this. They're the two of the best teams in the world at tags. And, and they, granted, this wasn't the greatest tag match ever, but even an average match between these two was still a lot of fun to watch. Um, 
Yeah. So what's kind of funny was I was less excited initially, though storytelling wise, I was excited about the opener because I just feel like 10 people in a ring is a lot. Um, and I was very excited for this match and it kind of switched on me because of the forced ending. So I will say preliminary reports, uh, from PW insider say that cash is okay. He just got busted way open on his arm, um, and had to get stitched up, but, uh, they were just tending to a very bloody injury. I don't really like not getting it from Meltzer or Sean Rossap, but PW Insider for the most part is um, pretty accurate. They're not like so dirt sheety. So hopefully that's accurate and hopefully he's okay. This measure was good. I felt like it was kind of just picking up as this happened. Um, they're two of the best in the world. So I'm assuming that they are going to continue hopefully this feud at least to give us a rematch i hope i think this will go gangbusters uh in in a couple of other cities that are more like smarky i guess like in a pittsburgh or in a chicago or in a new york so i i just hope we get a rematch out of it because i don't think we saw the best of what these guys can do but the the biggest thing of course is i just that hope that cash wheeler's arm is okay but i could watch these guys fight over and over again. It's really fun to see two tag teams that love tag team wrestling wrestle. Keep that in mind. Like FTR is so passionate about um, tag team wrestling that they didn't even leave WWE because they didn't like their booking or how they were being used. They hated that the tag team division wasn't valued and they were extremely vocal about that on their way out. So that's just awesome to see like tag teams that take so much pride in, in tag team wrestling in particular are rampant on AEW. So hopefully we get to see that. Yeah. You know, I was a little surprised. I mean, listen, FTR are clearly the heels in this situation, but they are the local, you know, uh, the local team. So I was actually a little surprised I didn't get a little bit more from the hometown crowd, but it is what it is. They're the heels. And I think they're playing that up really well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with, I think everybody here, we want to see um, another match between these groups. Cause it can be even better the second time around. Uh, yes. Keith. I just wanted to point out something that Joe Evans said in the Facebook, which was that he forgot that Proud and Powerful and FDR belong to their own factions, <laughs> which I kind of liked. Like, I liked that they didn't come out with everybody. We talk about, like, the gang wars kind of that have become an AEW trope. Um, there wasn't any of that. Maybe there were for the ending that got switched. But this also tells me that, like, we need to move on from that storyline because the fact that I wasn't even thinking about that is good and that these are very well-established tag teams on their own but it also tells me i don't need the story around it <laughs> to appreciate these guys anymore so i really hope that after these labors of of love and hate <laughs> that we we move on but i, I just want to call that out because i had the same reaction too i was like oh right yeah no there are parts of, parts of bigger factions here didn't cross my mind at all during the match <laughs> Well, we're going to move on from that match into the segment with Britt Baker being interviewed backstage. Uh, and Britt Baker says that Nyla Rose uh, might break bitches, but she still managed to tap her out with a broken freaking wrist. Um, she sees it. She keeps getting hurt. And Reba can't keep looking out for her all by herself. So Britt says it's time to get somebody to look out for them. And then we go to break. 
obviously we do the DMD uh, with her best friend Shivani. Uh, but guys, an interesting twist here is Britt is saying that she has to bring somebody in to watch her back. Now, Kate, this is where before you mentioned something and maybe um, it made me think of kind of, first of all, somebody could be, but I don't think there's such an imposing figure. Um, it was recently uh, announced that uh, Kira Hogan is no longer with Impact. She herself said that she is moving on and she had finished her last tapings with Impact. Now, could it be somebody like Kira Hogan? Uh, I guess it could be. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be exciting for most people out there, but it could certainly be somebody like Akira Hogan. Beyond that, I don't know who it could be. So, Kate, let's go to you first, since you absolutely love this women's division. Who do you think um, this mystery kind of bodyguard could be? Could it be somebody established? Could it be somebody new? You know, what are you thinking? The thing that I'm nervous about, and I'm not even overwhelmingly anti, I'm a little nervous it's going to be Chelsea Green. I don't want it to be. Um, I'm just like, I've never been, I've never, I'm not overwhelmingly anti. I think she's good enough in the ring. Her and Britt have a history on the indies. They tag together forever. They look a lot alike. Um, but she's just been everywhere and I don't fully get the big deal. Like she's good enough, but I, I don't understand why she's like so over. Um, there are, I would, I mean, I would absolutely love for it to be, uh, Ruby Soho, formerly Ruby Riot. Um, I think she would be gangbusters for this division. I don't know where her days are. And there were also like Jessamine Duke and some of the NXT talent that got let go in those layoffs of, um, WWE cuts, which there were so many of, I can't even keep track. Um, but there was a lot of, of really good women's talent that got released out of those two that I think if they were handled the right way, which, and this isn't even necessarily the fault of NXT, they just didn't have space or time to grow every single person that they signed during the pandemic. Um, I, I think maybe you could make somebody a star under Brit. That's like the biggest thing is that she is definitely carries herself like a star, tons of charisma, great on the mic. Um, but I, if this is where Ruby Soho is going to come in, I wouldn't even be able to continue to complain. If it's Chelsea Green, meh. If it's somebody, I would love for it to be Layla Hirsch. <laughs> like this tiny little gal as your enforcer would be kind of fun. Or somebody that's already there, but not, be- if it was Diamante, my goodness, that would be great, right? So um, I, I would prefer it, it'd be someone from within if it's someone externally, I just don't need it to be Chelsea Green. I The best case scenario to me is that it's Ruby Soho slash Ruby Riot. I think that's like such a no-brainer and she could do absolute wonders for this division and a variety of fronts. Could be Serena Deeb. That would kick ass. Yeah. She's kind of got her I mean, own guess, thing going though. Yeah, that, that would be my only argument is that Serena Deeb's got her own thing happening and she's got that nwa title belt you know that she'll be involved with nwa 
you know, I guess with around this pay-per-view, I mean, it would, to me, it would never be somebody like of the, of the insane level of like uh, Tessa Blanchard, right? It can't be somebody that big that's going to overshadow Britt Baker. And and again, I'm not saying, you know, I think it's Tessa Blanchard. I'm using Tessa as an example of kind of the level of, you know, talent that's out there. That would be somebody in my mind that would overshadow yeah. Rip Baker and that's not what you want. So, but I'm Ruby with you. Ruby Soho as high as you can go with that, I think. I think you're just on the tipping point. I think bringing her in under that still feels good. Like it doesn't feel like she's going to overshadow Britt. Um, but that's like you said, like you can't bring in like a Tessa Blanchard on under that guy, sir. I'm trying to think of who else. Tasha Steeles might be a, a, a good fit. Uh, or sorry, it's Kira Hogan. Kira Hogan, yeah. Kira Hogan, yeah. I, I think you're right, though. You you can't go too much bigger, otherwise it feels like it's not someone being raised by Brit, right? It feels like someone who's <laughs> tilting the scales right. the Tipping other way. Tipping the scale, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Shlong, any thoughts on who this mystery enforcer might be? Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho actually kate stole both my people first was ruby soho i think that from an outside person makes the most sense um she looks like a badass so she would work as an enforcer she is known because of wwe but didn't get over like fans loved her but they didn't push her at all and then internally i wanted it to be a diamante because she's just a badass and could really do well in that i had another thought i was gonna joke around and say lana you know let her come in as the enforcer but my other thought is, what if it's not a singular person? What if it's a very iconic tag team? You know, I was actually going to bring them up uh, and I stopped myself. But I, I actually thought the same thing. I mean, you could say, like Britt said, bring in somebody. But uh, you know how that that goes, right? Like that doesn't matter. Semantics there. But I don't I don't necessarily hate that. I think that that could work. They're um, silly enough to work with Brit and Reba because they're kind of silly, but there's two of them. So two always gives you an advantage in a fight. It's just right. a thought. And I don't, if Rampage is going to have women's tag belts that they teamed, oh boy, that could get very fun. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting to see that. Uh, I don't think it would be somebody like Lana. I think Lana is tied to a reality show now. So, uh, you know, uh, she wouldn't be available anyway. I think that reality show money might be uh, a little bit better than some wrestling money at this point. But uh, Miro's very hot. That's very true. Miro will tell you that. Um, But anyway, it's interesting uh, to see what will happen with Britt Baker and her enforcer. And we get back from commercial and Tony Schiavone, my man, Schiavone's on stage. uh, And he has a special announcement from Tony Khan and it's that AEW Rampage on August 20th will be in Chicago at the United Center and will be entitled The First Dance Uh, so it is worth noting that the crowd uh, immediately starts chanting for CM Punk (laughs) Um, commentary also notes there that you know like it's going to be a huge night or like the fans are way into it. I think fans in North Carolina are going to be traveling to Chicago and deservedly so like they're playing into that. And I want to just go one step further into the next segment because Darby Allen is backstage and he cuts a promo, but um, 
And and Kate, you might have to fill me in because I kind of got lost here a little bit. But all I know is that he's cutting a promo and he makes a very specific statement at the end and tags it with best in the world. Uh, so my thoughts on a couple of these things, right? I'm very mixed on. So I think the rumor was out there kind of all day and even this week. Uh, that once they announced that there was going to be a special announcement that I think the immediate rumor that was out there was it's going to be something happening at the United Center because the thought is that I think AEW would like to make Chicago kind of like a second hub for their uh, promotion, right? So like they've clearly got Florida on, on kind of lockdown with Jacksonville and everything. I guess you'd call that area hub one, right? the thought is that they've run all out in Chicago every year. You know, they've never run the United center. They want to try to do that show and kind of create this secondary hub for the promotion within Chicago. The rumors that have been flying around about CM Punk certainly fuel the fire that he's going to be showing up at some point in Chicago. Again, all this unconfirmed, the rumors are there. So, um, you know, I think it's really easy to kind of see that if he's going to show up, it's going to be in Chicago. I am very mixed on when he shows up in Chicago, right? Like, I would understand why you want him to show up a couple weeks before the big pay-per-view, right? You have him on the Friday night show. You get people to turn tune into Friday nights, right? They have to tune in on Wednesday to see if he's going to show up. And then they're going to want to buy the pay-per-view because he'll probably be tied to the pay-per-view. But at the same time, part of me is like, I think it's stupid to almost waste him on a Friday night 10 p.m. show because you're not guaranteeing to get people to tune in. Part of me is like hoping that they're doing this and he's not going to show up on that Friday night show (laughs) so that they still get the people who are like, he's showing up and then he doesn't show up and they kind of need to tune in on Wednesday or the pay-per-view to see what happens. Either way, um, it's going to be interesting if the rumors are true and CM Punk is indeed a done deal in signing with AEW where he might show up in Chicago. Clearly Darby Allen throws out best in the world. It's kind of hard for me to tell if that's foreshadowing or if that is simply like they're now just AEW's like, we're fucking playing into all the rumors. <laughs> we're just going to be dropping all these things to fuel the fire. Um, but yeah, like it's just all this sort of fantasy booking stuff is all unconfirmed kind of stuff for us and other people to be talking about. So, Ryan, I know you are the biggest CM Punk fan in the world. Um, I would like your take on all the rumors that are swirling that we were kind of discussing before having to do with the Hangman Page stuff and chicago all out and cm punk possibly being a done deal and signed with aew and they're keeping it very mum you know like what what are your thoughts on all that stuff and also kind of like where he should maybe fall into chicago should he be signed and showing up so the thought is that you don't go to that side was it twenty three thousand seat arena in chicago for rampage unless you are you have something huge. And for Chicago, the only thing I think that gets that done is CM Punk. I don't even think Daniel Bryan does that. I think it's only CM Punk. Um, so everyone's saying, like, they have to have the deal done if you're willing to do that. Like, you don't do that if you don't know for sure. Um, 
I will also say no one has come out and contradicted any of the reports that were made last week. You know, there hasn't been anyone saying like, oh, yeah, he's not going to sign. It seems like everyone's kind of like, yeah, that's Sean Ross was was pretty, pretty up on that. Um, I'm all for this. I, I think it makes sense on two levels. You're going to get a you're trying to pump up rampage, just get someone to tune their eyes into it. And that's a huge way to do it. And I like you said, I think you have to bring him in before the pay-per-view so that you get even more buys on the pay-per-view. And I think you set up a, I think you set up a match for him. I don't know who against two, but I think you have to set up something just to kind of like have people, I mean, the amount of buys that'll get is huge. Um, I don't see Tony Khan being dumb enough to go out and do this and not be sure that he's got something huge planned. So if, if by some ridiculous miracle, it's not CM Punk, there's got to be something else just as big planned. Cause I don't see you going getting a 23,000 seat arena and being like, it's, you know, Braun Strowman. You're like, I, you're just not going to do that. Um, he's been smart enough in all his stuff that I, I don't think that's where they're going to go. Um, in terms of the hangman storyline, I don't think this impacts it at all. I really don't. I think they keep him away from the belt for a while. They've done that with pretty much anyone big that they've had to, you know, like Christian Cage isn't coming right for the belt. Um, Igaloo isn't going right for the belt. Uh, there's been a couple like they, they do trying to keep you off to the side a little bit and then build, have your feud and then, and then get to the belt. Um, so Malachi I, I black. I, I mean, that's, that was a yeah, few That's a great ago. example that I was blank. I was trying <laughs> to think of his name and I was blanking so hard. Um, that's a great example. Not going for the belt. He's going for, for the white knight Cody. Um, so I, I, I just can't see any way it's not him. I mean, I'm, if it's not, it's not, but then what do they have planned that they think they're filling a 23,000 seat arena and on rampage? It just, something's in the, in the making and it, it's great. And as the resident CM Park Mark, the only one on here who truly likes CM Punk. Um, That's true. I think this is great for many reasons. I think, listen, I, I know listen, we're an AEW podcast, so I don't care if that I'm seen as, you know, being a little too nice to AEW. I don't really care. I'm nice to anybody. I, I find anything I like. Um, I think he'd have a lot of fun in this company. Just look at Moxley, all the promos he makes and all the fun he's, he's going elsewhere. He's doing other things. So I, the reason I bring that up is it makes me believe that this is very much possible beyond all the, the other logical stuff. The company seems like a good fit. So, and I, and it also seems like a good fit that he seemed, I don't think he needs to be in the belt picture. I think he just needs to be having a good feud and fun. And there's a lot of that to be had here. Darby being the best one, two straight edge guys, the older one, the younger one, oh, it writes itself. So Kate, I, I know you're, yeah, I, and I know that we have to really pull teeth from you to get your take on CM Punk. I just, he's, and one more thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I mean, I'm excited or whatever. No, um, so the reason that I don't think this is a troll is the, if you were gonna bait and switch it. I don't know who you, I don't think Daniel Bryan's a big enough person for you to switch it. And I, and Braun Strowman's definitely not. So it would have to no. be like Brock Lesnar and it's, it's not that. So I, I've got to think that they are just telling us the truth at this point. Um, when I listened to 
Fightful content today. Sean Ross Sapp said he was at a seven sure that CM Punk was a done deal and at a nine that Daniel Bryan was. Um, and that he had more CM Punk news coming down the pike, which makes me think of it was probably this. So um, the to answer your question from before to the beginning of that promo was Darby Allen saying um, that, you know, some of the best talent in the world has proven themselves in Chicago, essentially. So just setting up that best in the world line because he knew what was coming. Um, and the announced team, like you said, all but confirmed it. I think this might be the best case scenario if you are going to bring CM Punk into the picture, right? I, 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 we don't care about ratings. I think Tony Khan smells fucking blood in the water with how bad raw has been. And the fact that they've been drawing like 1.5 million before they brought Cena and Goldberg back. And I think he sniffs it there. And I think he knows that Darby Allen is the highest rated segment when they put him on in the main event. And it just makes so much sense for CM Punk to not fuck with any title picture. I love that immediately. I'm the biggest punk mark in the world. He should not be touching this Kenny Omega and Hangman story. Miro could get fun. Like that could be a very fun thing. But to come in, work with a top talent that's a young talent that is straight edge, that has openly talked about the fact that uh, his like their stories are so similar, even with that Darby Allen, uh, paints half of his face. Cause he said he's been half dead since he lost his, I think uncle in a drunk driving accident, CM Punk. I think it was his dad, uh, and his alcoholism from now, which he's recovered, I think, uh, is the reason that he's straight edge. And I think there was also like a car accident on his way to like a T-ball practice, like their stories as these straight edge, um, misfit kids is so organic and it doesn't it doesn't annoy me that they would both inevitably be faces like darby's over as fuck and cm punk in chicago is going to be over as fuck it just doesn't matter in in that situation and punk hasn't been in a ring in seven and a half years and darby can bump like a motherfucker so like Everything about this alliance to me, you're going to have the biggest rating boost you ever had. You have one of the most organic stories that you could ever have. Um, and even just ring wise, like who you're, if you sneeze the right way at Darby Allen, he's going to go flying. Right. So um, I was relieved when I saw this might be what they're setting up because I, I had the same fear as you did Aunt, earlier in the episode. I was like, Oh God, like as much as I love punk and Brian, I don't want them interfering with this hangman and Omega story. Um, so I was like very relieved that it seems to be far away from that. And you just, you don't need to go there yet. It makes no sense. I think a lot of people were saying that they could see hangman having like a transitional feud to MJF. And then you set up MJF and CM Punk. Are you fucking kidding me? Give me, give me that on the microphone all day. So I think it's probably the best case scenario I can think of to bring in punk. And I didn't really consider it because I was like, Oh, then you have, you have face and face inevitably, but I don't think it matters with the story like that. It's just too compelling. So I hope it's true. Um, I kind of feel like that should be a pay-per-view moment, but I'm, I'm not against it. Uh, I just think Tony Khan is 
is coming after WWE pretty hard if that is the case because it would be right after SmackDown. <laughs> you know, the other thing that would be interesting too with <clears throat> CM Punk coming in, right? Um, he could easily, easily play that heel card and be like, I'm what this company needs to put them on the map. And they paid me to come in and pop ratings and do this and do that. So if he were to do something like that and feud with Darby Allen, I think that's, that's money, right? Like he could play that card for a little while and then easily, like he is somebody who they could easily kind of take that away from. And he's still, you know, somebody that fans want to see. So just another thought in possibly the way they might shape up something like Darby Allen. I don't think they necessarily need to go that route, but if they really want to ratchet it up, um, he could certainly go that route. He's played a great heel and he's played a great face in his, in his career. So to me is like, he should be a bad guy, but I think the way they get there is that if, if Daniel Bryan's coming, he just attacks Daniel Bryan's neck for like three months. That's like my, my hope scenario. Um, cause Daniel Bryan is, is such an org- organic baby face, but I'm, I want CM Punk to be a heel. I don't think you can do it in his debut in Chicago. That's, that's my only thing, but I like where your head's at of like this company needed me. Um, that could be right. really fun. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what happens again. You know, nothing is confirmed. And I nope. think for a lot of people where these uh you know like me especially you know where these cm punk rumors have flared up before and again these have been the most consistent rumors that haven't been kind of turned away um you know that there's the hope that this is on its way to being a done deal but for me until i see something confirming it or until i see him in a ring on a microphone on my television um I just, I don't want to believe it. You know what I mean? There's, sure. there's always time for things to, to turn the other way. So we're going to be cautiously optimistic uh, and we'll continue to follow it and discuss it here. It's a lot of fun to kind of fantasy book. So oh, yeah, 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 I've been very cautiously optimistic. Actually, I'm a little surprised Kate that you don't know for sure. I mean, you probably just are hanging outside his house all the time. No, bro. You, but you should be breaking the story. That's what I'm saying. Kate full select. God damn it. Be chill about it, bro. Be chill. <laughs> yeah, you be chill because Kate can't be. Um, <laughs> so moving on from this, we get our IWGP United States heavyweight championship match with Lance Archer defending his title against Hikuleo. And I think a pleasant surprise, Hikuleo actually has... Haku, King Haku with him at ringside, which is pretty cool to see Haku, or as any of you WCW marks out there might know, a Ming uh, from his days in the Dungeon of Doom uh, back on TNT was was pretty cool deal. So, uh, you know, guys, this was sort of a hoss fight, right? We have Lance Archer, who's like 6'7", versus Hikuleo, who's 6'10". A lot of heavy kind of hitting here, uh, but just getting towards the finish, um, we get the big man suplex off the top rope. Lance Archer also gets Hikuleo up and he wins by the blackout, uh, to retain the IWGP United States heavyweight championship. So we are going to get, and 
They didn't say when, but we will be getting Tanahashi versus Lance Archer for that IWGP US Heavyweight Championship belt. Um, Kate, I know you're a huge Hikuleo mark. So why don't we why don't we go to you first? Just your take on the match. You don't need to go in crazy detail, but what'd you think about this match? No, I I really liked it. So my only thing was I felt like this the outcome was certainly telegraphed. I would have assumed it was going to be Archer anyway, but when you put the Tanahasho promo up, I was like, well, if you're doing it on this company's programming, <laughs> you're probably right. going to have Archer go over here. I think that would have been the move anyway. Um, this was a fun match. It wasn't like the cleanest technical wrestling match I've ever seen, but both of these guys are huge. And I don't think we've seen Lance Archer fight a lot of guys, not only that are huge, but like, are, are built very similar, like, um, in how they're muscular, he's not huge in a, around the belly way or, <laughs> or like a Hobbs who's huge, just like a, almost like a Cena build. They're, they're actually built very similar and it's, it's such a rare thing in this company. And I think just in the world. So that was kind of fun to see him pick on someone, his own size a little bit. Um, Solid match, not a surprising ending. I'm more excited about Tanahashi for sure, but um, it, it's just cool that they're doing stuff like this was my takeaway of like an episode that was going to have a CM Punk tease, uh, New Japan title match and Nick Gage on the same hour of programming is fucking bonkers. So it just, made, it just makes me so excited that they're, pushing the envelope in in these ways but the match was good enough it was fun shlong what did you think so i I thought this match was fun uh he'll forever be mang to me i don't care what anyone says (laughs) you know he's dungeon and do mang that's where i met him that's what he is in my head i did see him as king haku you know i had some old tapes and i got to watch the old stuff but i started watching in 95 and he was part of the dungeon and doom with barbarian um it was a fun match. I, the problem this match had was just the card it was on. Um, it was the least emotionally a ma- match with the least emotion to it. Well, second, I guess. Um, Thunder Rosa still to come, but it, it like it was just you know it, I think it it suffered from being on such a hot card that it was a slower paced hoss fight. But I actually really enjoyed it. I just I felt like the crowd was a little more dead during this. Maybe I was just imagining things but I felt like it just suffered from being on a very hot card and everyone was just gearing up for Nick Gage. You could just tell that's what was coming. Um, but otherwise I really enjoyed it. And, and Meng's son is huge. So that boy's got a future in front of him, whether it be in new Japan or over, you know, in, in here with AEW or WWE or anywhere that boy is going to go somewhere. Cause he's a big boy who can move. Yeah, it was uh, it was certainly a hoss fight. Two really big dudes, uh, and I think Kate, you hit it on the nose. This was a super telegraphed outcome, but I think everybody's okay with it uh, if we get to see Lance Archer versus uh, Tanahashi for that belt. So uh, we'll see what happens. They did make mention. I think it was here that they made mention that that match would happen on New Japan Television. Um, uh. You know, uh, so they didn't say where it was going to happen. I'm assuming it would be in California um, because I believe that Japan, uh, you know, they still have all sorts of travel issues and emergency status and stuff like that, even though the Olympics are happening right now in Japan. Um, 
you know, I don't know if Lance would be able to get into Japan um, for that match. So it should be interesting. We'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted on that. But we move on from this to Cody Rhodes being interviewed backstage in Gorilla, and Malachi Black runs up and hits him with a boot. Uh, they start to brawl there. We get TK saying, stop, stop, please, guys, stop. And then they kind of brawl out towards the stage. Uh, and Black eventually lays out Cody with a wicked knee strike. And then wrestlers and agents and security come swarming out, including uh, including a favorite, Fuego Del Sol. And unfortunately... Uh, Fuego was not going to be throwing that tornado DDT because he gets laid the fuck out with the black mass. Uh, and Malachi uh, basically is kind of staring at the chaos and then we go to a break. So guys, I don't know if anybody wants to go into detail on this segment, but they're clearly lining up this match for next week uh, at the homecoming show in Jacksonville. And I think everybody's pretty hot on this, regardless of all the chatter that's out there on whether people think that Cody is going to bury Malachi Black. Uh, I'll just add that, oops, Malachi is very over. <laughs> This match, uh, or melee, whatever. Um, like Cody got a little bit booed, and Malachi got crazy cheers. So they gotta, they gotta correct that one in a hurry. I think I don't know where Malachi Black is from. Um, like or resides in the United States, I should say. Um, if it is in Carolina, that that would make more sense. Other than that, I don't know why. Uh, the cheers were what they were and definitely don't know why the boos were what they were because they're not that far from Georgia. So come on, people. The guy wearing white is the one you cheer for. The guy wearing black is evil. Do follow it. Follow those. (laughs) I think it's a lot of those kind of preconceived uh, notions that are out there that, you know, Cody buries everybody uh, and he's going to bury Malachi Black, which I think is literally uh, nobody. He's buried Uh, literally no one. I agree, I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I I just, you know, it is what it is. People are going to say that Cody's the EVP. He's going to bury him because he's buried everybody, but it, it's not the case. And I think we know it. And I think most smart, smart people know that that's the truth, but there's going to be Cody haters um, for some reason, whatever that might be. Uh, Schlong, any thoughts here? Uh, no, I mean, you guys covered it pretty well. People hate him because they think he buries people, which he doesn't. He kind of gets thrown into that like Triple H thing where, like, oh, he, he's got power, so he must. And I don't know, I wasn't watching as much then to know what Triple H did. I just know I'm watching Cody and he doesn't do it. I will say, I, I asked in the Discord, I'm going to ask here, did, did Black's eye paint get like worse looking? Like they made his eye look actually worse? Uh, I don't know, but he's so freaking detailed. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, my eye is going to die even more the further we get into this view. That's, That's like kind of what I think they're doing. Thing. Like he's decaying <laughs> almost like I love it. But I and I, I will also point out just a little I disagree with Kate on one small thing is I don't think you have to correct that Malachi's getting cheers and Cody's getting booze. If the story is still good. Who cares who, which way people are reacting? Just tell the story in a good way, and it'll be fine. I think one of the biggest problems that AEW's actually managed to avoid is that you don't need it to be a traditional response to heels versus baby faces. If things are interesting and the fans are involved, who cares? You know, that's just my, you know, and, and Malachi Black is clearly 
over and fans want to see him. And he also gets the benefit of the doubt that people are really mad at what happened to him in WWE. So I think they were, they're happy that here he comes succeeding. Yeah. He described his character as the devil with amnesia, which is the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) So that's just like going to be one of those badass characters. That's kind of over that gets cheered. So I, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm like, don't, don't smirk yourselves out of a good story. You know what I mean? Don't be 100. like, I agree with that completely. Yeah. I'm just saying AEW shouldn't fix it. Like oh, let yeah. it be what it is. And the fans will just have to get over it. The dorks should fix it. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Dorks. I'm also going to point out real quick. I just said, because Cody's from Georgia, it really is hard for me not to go that the devil went down to Georgia jokes between Malachi <sighs> and Cody. It's I'm fighting them. You have sung twice on this. And are making bad jokes. I fear my influence. <laughs> You're like Malachi Black's yeah. eye. It's just corrupting me. <laughs> it's not it. good, Schlong. I'll say that. It's not good. Uh, so we go here. Uh, we go next to uh, Miro basically just giving a promo saying that uh, the TNT championship is known for open challenges. But since he's won the title, the challengers are drawn up. Um and he's going to fight next week, and nobody can take his divine right away from him. The only things that motivate him are a vengeful God and a double-jointed wife. Meow. Miro sure loves talking about his hot-ass wife. Um, so, guys, I mean, I don't – you tell me if we need to go in depth here. They, they are seriously just – pumping this card for the title shot next week where we're going to get Miro versus Lee Johnson. And it's just another Miro promo playing this redeemer and they are openly calling him the redeemer Miro now. So uh, they're really playing this up. God gave him a hot wife is the only thing I'll say. This was also where I made my underpants gnome comment because someone, I think it was Sean Rossap said like, like WWE didn't know what to do with this guy basically like how do you not know what to do with this dude like just let him be and I was like phase one get out of his way phase three profit so that was my underpants gnomes uh reference of the day like he's so like just let him go like I feel like he's someone you don't have to do anything with like just let Miro be Miro this rules this is the best thing he's done in his career, and it's awesome. You go, Redeemer, with your hot wife who God gave you. You take it. Well, he is absolutely going to run through Lee Johnson next week. I think we're all on the same page there. If Lee Johnson somehow happens to win this match, no. I don't know what they're doing. But it's going to be Miro, and then we'll figure out what's up next for Miro. Uh, we go from here to Christian Cage and Jungle Boy uh jack perry with luchasaurus versus the hardy family office that is angelico isaiah cassie and mark quinn cutting to the end of this match uh kristen cage and jurassic express win by pinfall with a frog splash from cage onto mark quinn and then post match uh blade lays out christian with the brass knocks so it looks like we're going to get a little bit of a, an issue here between the Blade and uh, Christian Cage. Uh, so that issue with the Hardy family office is not over. Um, I thought this was an entertaining match. Long, what did you think? 
I just wish Jungle Boy would get a better song. I mean, Jesus. Fans hate it. They clearly don't react to it at all. They hate him. He's not over. They can't take him seriously. It's just awful. Um, but in reality, I, I mean, this was fun. This was a fun match. Uh, they're obviously, I still think they're, they're sowing the seeds of Christian and Jungle Boy having some issues, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, I like the use of uh, Blade coming in and hitting Christian at the end. You know, I know I don't necessarily like Fuge dragging on too long, but Considering that now this will be Christian versus Blade rather than Christian versus Matt Hardy, even though it's all related, I can deal with that because you're not talking groups going at each other. It's just one guy continuously having to fight different guys related to the same group. I can I can live in that. And it's keeping Christian away from titles and stuff, which I want him eventually to have those runs, but let him let other guys get their shine first. Otherwise, fairly fun. I mean, there was that spot with Luchasaurus suplexing every member of the Hardy family office while they held each other. It was very, yep. it's like a group spoon that ended up in a suplex. It was very nice. <laughs> I also think they're clearly interested in, and Helico getting them a little bit away from, from Evans because they've been doing a lot more with Helico by himself. So, and I like Helico, so I'm all for that, but it's just been interesting. You're seeing it more and more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kate, what is, uh, what's your take on this match? Very similar uh, to Mr. Slogs over there. Holy shit, it's Jungle Boy over. <laughs> that was my biggest thing with this match. It was a fun match. It doesn't have particularly high stakes, but it was fun. Again, emphasizing that I love that when somebody's out with an injury, they don't just sit the other guy down. They've done it with Bear Bronson. They've done it with Dante, and they're doing it again here with Blade, which I love. Um continuing to to use people in this way when you have a zillion stables why not do that um and similar to to mr schlong if your gimmick is to outwork everyone you shouldn't be near a title picture for a while you should go outwork everyone so i'm with you it's not necessarily like a punk or a brian where you're gonna want him near that title probably sooner rather than later some title near one title um christian is is great in the role he's been in i love the way that they've had him step into this company so very fun match not a whole lot of stakes um but jungle boy is over like rover buddy oh boy yeah no stopping jungle boy he is definitely on the rise uh okay when we get back we do get uh, from a commercial they uh they do show a video package about nick gage kind of letting people in and knowing who he is now if you didn't see on youtube uh yesterday they put up their road to dynamite uh video package where they uh they showed some of this stuff about nick gage and uh some of the other feuds that were on the show tonight so just another well done video package for from uh aew to kind of keep you in the loop on who some of these new guys are uh, I don't think there's too much to uh, to go in depth on there. So I'm going to keep moving. Um, we do get uh, the Varsity Blondes uh, and Julia Hart with a promo uh, where they talk up how she's going to prove herself against Thunder Rosa. But Thunder Rosa also gets a promo uh, where she says that she's an outsider, but tonight she's going to get her first official match as a member of the roster and show why she can do whatever she likes. And then we go into the Julia Hart versus Thunder Rosa match. I mean, listen, there's not a whole lot to discuss here. I don't think anybody thought Julia Hart had a shot in this match. Thunder Rosa just continues to look really strong and rack up those wins. So Thunder Rosa does get a win here by pinfall with the fire Thunder driver. Uh, And then we uh, get into next week's card. And I, uh, I certainly uh, 
we'll go through that card. But anybody want to say anything? I mean, I know. Okay, let's go to you first, Kate, because you very much said before that you did not like this match. Um, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, Julia Hart's not good at wrestling yet. Um, look, I get that you want to have Thunder Rosa debut a monstrous bop, and you probably want to have her squash someone. I don't know. Someone that knows what they're doing might be a good start or someone that she has any history with or can tell a story with. I'm so sick of women's ha- matches happening for literally no reason other than that there are two people that work in the same company. I know they like attempted to explain a story beforehand. It's I'll care when they do, I guess. I'll just leave it at that because it's the same shit every week. Thunder Rosa is great, though. I'm very excited. She's with the company and she always looks good. Julia Hart looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, I Listen, I don't disagree with that statement. I, I truly think they wanted to just have a huge pop of Thunder Rosa, put her on television. And I think that at some point, this is going to be the next big feud for, um, for Britt Baker. So just put her on TV, give her a pop. And then maybe we'll start, uh, we'll start building that case for a title shot. But Shlong, any, any thoughts on this match? J-U-L-I-A, J-U-L-I-A. Sorry, they did that chant, the, the cheer. Listen, it wasn't a great match. Thunder Rose is over. She's awesome. Julia's, she's not awful. She's just green. You could tell. No, she's not awful. Stop it, Kate. Um, she's not, like, there's so many women that are TV ready that you could have put here. That's what bug, bugs me but, out. But, like, uh, but also her taking loss doesn't matter at all. So you, get, you, you had someone lose who really doesn't matter at all. Doesn't really matter in this division at all. Um, and the fans know her. The fans like her. She's involved with things. I don't think she has to be just a valet like Kate wants her to be. I think she's fine in this role where she wrestles occasionally and she's also a valet. Um, listen, I'm not going to sit here and defend the women's division. It's got a lot of flaws. This match did not have any stakes to it. I was hoping they would have something happen after where Thunder Rose's next challenger comes out and you, you have the building of a feud. But at least it shows that Thunder Rosa is really as popular as everyone thinks she is. I mean, she's loved. And I don't think Julia's as bad as Kate thinks she is, but Kate just hates the women. She doesn't want them succeeding at all. She's very anti-woman. <laughs> no, just I mean, get back into the kitchen. It's not that hard. Or just keep cheering. Just keep cheering. That's all we need. Just, 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 just move on. <laughs> Well, I'm they so did announce heartened. They didn't. They did announce the card next week. We're going to get a TNT Championship match from uh, with Miro defending his title against Lee Johnson. Uh, we're also getting Christian Cage versus the Blade after the attack with the Brass Knuckles tonight. Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, uh, who will be making his AEW debut. And they did announce that the Bunny will be fighting Layla Hirsch. Uh, I know Schlong is a big Layla Hirsch fan. We all. Uh, like legit Layla, but uh, we haven't really seen much of her on primetime TV, so it'll be nice to see her on TV next week. Although it will be interesting to see what happens as she is facing the bunny. So, will she actually get a win? Will she eat the pin? We'll see what happens, right? Yeah, why? 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 <laughs> well, so maybe they're gonna build up Layla. You know what it is? is- it's like Nobody in this division has come out and said to Britt Baker, you're so confident in your wrestling skills that you got an entire backup career with a PhD. Like there's no fire in this at all. No one's like, 
You were so confident as a wrestler that you went and became a dentist too, which takes like eight years of schooling. Like there's, there's just never any stories. Like what are we doing? Uh, by the anyway. way, uh, just thinking back to our discussion about Britt Baker and her enforcer, um, very well could be uh, Diamante because Diamante is La Sicaria, right? So it kind of makes sense. Oh, anyway. that would be a thing. That would mean they tried a thing. It could be. We'll see what happens with Layla Hirsch next week when she takes on the bunny. Um, so when we get back from commercial before this main event match, uh, John Moxley cuts a promo backstage. He talks about watching the Olympics and he complains that he can't seem to get into Japan lately, but the second he loses that IWGP US championship, Tanahashi shows his face. <laughs> he basically says, uh, Tanahashi can go screw. Uh, he doesn't get to wrestle him. He's dead to him. Uh, and that Moxley sent a huge stack of contracts to his boy in the office in Japan, and we'll see what comes through that forbidden door. Maybe Tanahashi's the only smart one who learned uh, from what happened in Nagata and Suzuki, uh, who understands what's waiting on the other side of that forbidden door. Moxley says he is the forbidden door. So, um, guys, just another interesting segment here where Moxley is talking about fighting guys in New Japan. <laughs> like, we're talking New Japan on AEW television with one of their biggest stars. He doesn't mention anybody in AEW at this point. Like, this is insanity. This isn't even anything to do with Switchblade either. <laughs> what? Not yet. Not yet, exactly. Like, there's just so much... Um... There's just endless possibilities. How fun is that? Like wrestling's supposed to be fun. This is very fun. I completely disagree. Take this very seriously, Kate. I'm sorry. This is bad for reasons. And Better. I'm angry about it. Twitter, 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 Twitter. Thank you. You sound just like old man Tony on Monday night. <laughs> so you know you're doing it right. Thank you. Um, Shlong, do you want to say anything in particular about this Moxley promo? If not, that's no, totally it was, fine. It was cool. That's all. All right. So moving on, we have our main event. We have Chris Jericho, the pain maker versus Nick fucking Gage. Like this is insanity in a no rules match, which is chapter two of the five laborers of Chris Jericho matches. Um, Guys, uh, I will say this. <laughs> For those of you listening in podcast form, Ant is spinning his pizza cutter into the microphone. Not like sawing off his microphone, but just so that you can hear it spinning. <laughs> I'm very nervous that he cuts himself. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, Nick Gage does come out with a pizza cutter. Uh, and we do get it. It does get used during this match. Uh, pretty much right off the bat, he swipes it at Jericho and cuts his arm. Uh, but as we progress further and further into this match, um, we do start to see more of the deathmatch elements mix in, right? So uh, we have um, we have some traditional kind of wrestling to start off after the initial swipes with the pizza cutter. Um, 
there are a couple of you know wrestling moves uh you know and again guys I, i'm not a huge nick gage fan it's very clear like he's not the greatest technical wrestler no. um you know um nick gage versus the... tony deppin is the dream match i mean hey if that's your thing but <laughs> we you get you honestly get everything if you are into deathmatch wrestling and you are into nick gage i think you certainly got your money's worth for a regular television match because we had the pizza cutter being used on uh jericho's face we had chairs we had the baseball bat so we saw floyd um we saw light tubes we saw nick gage get hurricane ronald off the top rope through a plate glass uh a piece of plate glass i mean jericho got pile driven onto the plate glass shattered i mean it was just you got i think everything you think you'd get out of to the fans who don't know what deathmatch wrestling is this is probably a good way into it um but man those fucking light tubes they smashed light tubes over each other gage jabbed it into jericho's forehead but guys it only takes one goddamn judas effect and um and Jericho that I was just gonna say Jericho is able to spit the mist, the muta mist into Nick Gage's face to blind him. He happens to pick up a bundle of light tubes and smash it over Nick Gage's head, winds up pinfall with the Judas effect on Nick Gage. So Nick Gage did his damage. It's what uh, you know, MJF wanted to inflict a lot of damage. Clearly, he wanted uh, Nick Gage to win. That didn't happen. So post match, MJF gets on the co- uh, gets up from commentary and starts to complain on Mike, and he is uh, basically using pipe bomb language uh, in this promo. So clearly, again, just needling with these rumors, and he says that. Uh, MJF says he isn't going to waste, or or Jericho isn't going to get to wrestle him, especially knowing what labor number three is. Uh, And he says that in that match, Jericho has to hit a move off the top rope in order to win. And his opponent is somebody that came up in a previous feud. And MJF says he doesn't forget. And they show some videotapes where Jericho is basically saying, you know, I was wrestling Juventud Guerrero when you were in diapers. And MJF asks, who the hell is Juventud Guerrero? And Jericho says to Google him. So we go back live and MJF says, well, I did Google Juventud Guerrero and the juice is loose. Uh, Juventud Guerrero will wrestle Chris Jericho in chapter number three, I'm assuming next week, right? Like they didn't say when, but I'm going to assume next week. And it will be that match where Jericho has to hit a match, uh, uh, move off the top rope to win. And that show, that folks, is how the show ends. So, Kate, you are our resident deathmatch expert. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on the match and also the post match announcement that we're going to see fucking Juventud Guerrera. Uh, on TNT, presumably next week. Okay, so I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Um, I, as much as I love death matches, which is not 
a lot. Um, I really don't like death matches overall, and I don't love death matches that are this style. I've seen some death matches, usually with Japanese talent, that still are more storytelling based and they use these weapons rather than lean kind of into the shock and awe thing. Um, that being said, uh, Nick Gage <laughs> robbed a bank with no mask because he was in such a bad place um, and became the most over baby face in wrestling respective to their promotion of anybody that I think is out there right now. Respective to their promotion is a big part. This guy comes out and there's a mosh pit of fans waiting to greet him. Um, and he's on our television. <laughs> on national TV and, against Chris and, Jericho. And I should mention too, I was actually quite surprised. I don't mean to cut you out, off, no, Kate. I was quite, quite surprised that they said he represents the and they said murder death kill gang yeah like i would have thought in the world of television that they would have been like you can't say murder death kill or gang especially in the same sentence um and i guess they were probably like well everyone's gonna go look up what mdk means anyway but for tnt to prove that and by the way literally everything else in this match real quick was stunning to me murder death kills said in demolition man a lot and tnt plays that a lot so they're probably like no one's gonna care we you hear it all the time in that movie that we play a thousand times maybe i know it's different but you can get around it like stuff like that true but like he like invites people into this mtk thing right so but i get what you're saying that's like a great uh television justification for that um so this redemption story is just really cool and one that would not happen at, at any other televised uh, professional wrestling company. The other half of this is Chris Jericho, who is 50. Uh, Getting not ready only to go on tour. Preparing to go on tour, taking pizza cutter spots and, and light tubes. And um, I tweeted this before. Uh, like he had he, he first of all he's chris fucking jericho he doesn't like need to do this he also didn't need to do a mimosa mayhem match and he didn't need to do a steak dinner uh what an incredible i don't want to call it final lap of his career because who the fuck knows but to me this does kind of feel like maybe a jericho's last stand before he moves into like a, a very part-timey role um that's just a selfless wrestler who wants to put it over young talent doing mimosa mayhem matches and steak dinners and death matches with someone who's not signed to your company. And, uh, and by the way, not a, a quote unquote, hardcore match, a fucking death match. Um, yeah. So, so to see Nick Gage on television and by the way, tons of credit to TNT, Tony Khan, uh, Brett Lauderdale and you gotta just assume so much of this is Joey Janela um, kind of alluded to it online that this is the he basically said that this was the coolest night of his career <laughs> which is awesome um, so even though this wasn't my thing the novelty that it happened um, 
the fact that nobody got involved when I thought for sure after we saw the Moxley promo, maybe Mox was coming out to cost Gage the match. Uh, Gage lost the title to Cardona over the weekend. I thought maybe Cardona comes back. Maybe Brett Lauderdale cares more about his championship than WWE cares about the NXT one and didn't want him to job out with it. Um, This match is not for me. The fact that it happened fucking rules. It's so cool. Um, And then of course what happened after Obviously, MJF is popping me with the pipe bomb references. I'm just sitting there marking the fuck out anyway. And also thinking about um, the fact that for MJF, this has to be the coolest thing in the world, right? Because he knows exactly who he is. He is like such a student. I think he probably is like, guess what I get to do every time he goes to work? He's like, I get to beat up Dane Malenko. I get to put <laughs> Jericho on TV. Uh, like just awesome and we were i said it last week we were all worried about what these labors were going to be because we felt like this was booked in reverse with blood and guts and then the stadium stampede um i don't know if this is cooler than blood and guts but it's at least justifiable and it's i didn't even think about like we're going to use outside talent for one-offs for these labors for jericho so um just so cool like i again not my favorite match in the world unbelievably cool that jericho did this unbelievably cool that nick gage is on my screen unbelievably cool that i get to see a rivalry from 20 years ago happen in real time on my screen um and on tnt right that's so cool so um it just feels like these shows that are back on the road are like unmissable in real time shows now like we're we're back to that point where i'm always excited to watch dynamite but now i even tweeted i'm like i don't even this is like back to like i don't think i can take a potty break at any point because i don't know what happens next like on like tana like i said tanahashi's like the third bullet point down and that's insane to me so um what a what a way to close out the show in my opinion Long, what did you think? Uh, yeah, about this insane closeout to this show. So, I really enjoyed it. I'm not a deathmatch guy at all. I'm like you, I don't really like him. I think Gage is better at them the most because he actually tells a story during his, which I can appreciate. I do have a question that I'm sure no one can answer, which is who the fuck thought it was a good idea to start using the pizza cutter? Like the first guy to think of that because it wasn't happening back in ECW. That's a more modern thing. And like, just who crazy assholes, like. You know what'll work really well? A pizza cutter against the forehead. Honestly, I don't know this for sure, but I think Homicide was the first one to to popularize it, but don't hold me to that. Um, was it? I'm holding you to it. So, I mean, it was a fun match. I have to laugh because if you go through the whole death match, the Judas effect kind of is the move that would actually knock you out more than most of them. Like a light tube is not going to knock you out. It's going to make you bleed but it won't knock you out. Um, I'm So none of us were in on Jericho. At the beginning, the trials of Jericho, all of us were kind of like, what is this going to be? The dragon's out. If this is what this is, you know, you had, I'm all in. Like where they're just insane things we never thought we'd seen. It's not just him versus different members of Pinnacle, but it's him versus just random dudes. Well, not random, but you know what I'm saying. Then I'm, I'm all in. And Hoovy Juice is great. I'm kind of curious, is he going to use the frog splash to win the match? 
You know, it. the The crazy thing is when MJF is like, your next match is going to be, you have to hit a move off the top rope. I was kind of like, really? We're going from a death match to that? Like, what the fuck? Why did we do this now? And then he said, Juventud Guerrero. And I was like, okay, uh, we're good. Like, that. That. that's a good one. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. Like, it seems like they're going to let you down. And then all of a sudden, bam, they pull you right back. Does this feel retirement Tory to you guys too or no? You know, I, it's hard to say anymore, right? <laughs> it kind of is because like with the match tonight, I was just kind of like this, like that didn't seem it to me, but you're right. Like when they said Juventud Guerrera, you know, he just put his book out, you know, now Juve Juice is coming back. Um, it, now that this one is the one coming up where it sort of does feel like that. Um, but again, maybe it's just they're they're gearing up for him to take an extended time off television. So it does feel retirement but it's just he's going to get through these and then he's going to be off TV. He's going to, you know, Fozzie is going on tour. I'm sure he wants to take some time off from wrestling to focus on the Fozzie stuff uh, to tour and also maybe just recoup his body right um and he does so much other stuff he does podcasts and he does you know all sorts of other shit so it's not like he doesn't have anything else to do um so i would say kate up until the announcement of the third you know chapter i didn't necessarily think that and then it was like yeah this kind of you know now moving forward it kind of does it'll be interesting to see because again i don't think any of us are thinking he's going to lose these chapter matches um they're just kind of fun matches to have um so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they have for chapter four and chapter five and then obviously he'll get mjf so we'll see what happens but um this definitely is the one that feels most retirement-y to me. I'm going to say it's a mix of Tony Khan likes to book his dream stuff, and he obviously grew up loving that stuff. And Jericho probably saying it's not retirement, but I also don't know when I may have to stop. I'm at that age where I legitimately am one injury away from being done. So sure. let me get in. So even if he doesn't plan on retiring, it's still like let me get in all the, the stuff I want to do while I can. So I could see it being a mix of both those things where eh, you're not planning for it, but if it happens, it happens. And again, Tony Khan just likes to book cool old stuff. I mean, he does that all the time. So very true. <laughs> so guys, it's going to be an interesting show next week. It is the uh, dynamite homecoming show for Jacksonville because it's going to be the last time that they're back in Jacksonville for what they're saying is quite some time. Uh, although there are some rumors that have been hanging out there that there are some concerns within AEW about what could happen if they go back into kind of COVID protocol. Uh, I mean, the reality of the world right now is the fact that we're dealing with a possible, uh, you know, new set of outbreaks due to the Delta variant of the coronavirus. Um, you know, mask mandates are going back into effect in certain places. I think places are going to try to avoid shutting things back down the way they have. Um, this is going to be where I'll jump on my soapbox and say, please, dear God, get vaccinated. Um, you know, do your part in keeping everybody safe. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, for now, this is the last they're going to be in Jacksonville. They're slated to be on the road for the, basically the remainder of the year. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for, uh, 
for Dynamite next week and then beyond because they have quite a lot of shows happening on the road. And uh, it seems like from this point on being back on the road, they have something special planned for like almost every city. So uh, it certainly seems like appointment viewing if you want to keep up with what's going on in the world of AEW. Uh, and to keep up in what's going on in the world of AEW, we're going to close out with some news and notes, and we have a couple questions we will get to. Uh, I think first, uh, since we talked about kind of uh, Cash Wheeler before, Kate, I think you had something you wanted to bring up about Wheeler's accident. Oh, yeah, just that it was, they said, a complete freak accident where his arm got caught between the ropes and the turnbuckle. So it really was just a very specific and odd, funny landing. It did sound like uh, they don't know if he's going to be out, but it definitely doesn't feel like a super long-term injury. Like it was all having to be stitched up super bloody, but it doesn't seem like there was like crazy amounts of damage. It wasn't like anything got crazy toward or anything like that. So seems like a good prognosis, but that's what happened. I know we were all like, we didn't see the spot, but he's bleeding like a stuck pig. Like what happened? So that's what happened. Um, so hopefully he heals up soon. He rules. Yeah, for sure. I want to see more FTR on TV. So anytime uh, they don't have to be out due to injury is definitely a good thing. Um, so uh, there have been some kind of like rumor, or not rumors, but there's been a lot of people out there wondering like, hey, is Mark Henry going to be re- returning to the ring anytime soon? Because he is slated to be the commentator on Rampage when that debuts on August 13th. Um, and he recently did an interview with Battleground Podcast where he basically confirmed that he will wrestle at least one match in AEW, but he said it won't be happening anytime soon because he's really banged up physically. Uh, his quote was, it's definitely going to happen in AEW. Uh, it's not going to be anytime soon, I think. I want to be 100%. I'm still nursing injuries from four years ago. Like wrestling business is a tough business. It's not meant for everybody. Being in my home state, it will be cool to be able to do that, but just not at this current time. So it it looks like, guys, Mark Henry is going to, I guess, focus on his body, healing up for old injuries, and also really focusing to be, I guess, the best commentator he can on Rampage when that starts in August. Um, so I guess really the reason to bring this up and the question for both of you guys would be, are, are you excited to possibly see Mark Henry go at least one more time in an AEW ring? Kate, I'll throw it to you first. Oh, sure. I think um, he's just going to be used maybe for a special attraction thing. Maybe there's a quick program with him and Hobbs or um, a big man clash with him and Archer or something. But I think it's good. He said that because uh I don't think we're going to see like a run out of Mark Henry, but maybe we'll get a couple of one-offs or or short-term programs, but he's still nursing injuries from four years ago. Um, That's, that's telling. Cause I, I remember seeing something that said every time you hit the mat, like with any reasonable amount of force is like putting your body through a car crash. So um, not to be taken lightly, especially when you're that big of a dude, like everything carries that much more force. Right. So um, I would love to see him in the ring if it's going to happen in the right way. If they reignite something with him in Big Show, or if it's just the other big guys that are hanging around, I think that could be super fun. Uh, Schlong, any excitement on Mark Henry coming back to the ring at some point? I think it'd be cool to see him have a send-off match. I want to know who it's get. You know, obviously the opponent will matter, but Mark Henry seems like such a good dude that he deserves like a 
a nice farewell match where people know it's it's really the last time for him. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on what happens, but I'm sure that uh, I'm really actually kind of interested in seeing how he does in the commentator desk um, uh, because he hasn't really done it before in any extended period of time. So it'll be interesting to see if he's good at it and hoping that he uh, he can get in the ring at least one more time. Um, it should be noted that TNT really wanted to make sure that you knew both nights of Fighter Fest were big winners for Dynamite. Uh, they did put out a press release uh, in the aftermath of their rating success last week, where they did certainly point out uh, that they were um, up, you know, in the ratings uh, and in the key demographics. So, guys, I mean, um, I'm not going to read through, obviously, the whole press release and go through all the numbers, but clearly TNT is happy with this, and uh, I'm sure that they're hoping that this can help bolster their Friday nights. But I think uh, the ultimate thing is going to be for us to see if the rumors are true on two big signings that could be coming to AEW, uh, what that can do for the ratings. Like it can only go up for them, but really good to see that they're continuing to hold strong ratings back on Wednesday nights because those altered schedules ratings were not even close to this. Uh, I mean, any comments there, Kate, you could certainly, you know, oh, Kate, just- Ryan. With the, with the rumors swirling, I think uh, I think Punk helps you spike ratings, and Daniel Bryan definitely helps you maintain them. So my guess is TNT's expectations are probably going to jump up to the million mark versus the like seven hundred to nine hundred thousand um, when those two guys come in. Assuming that they do, again, nothing's final until it's actually on your damn TV. But um, I think we'll see the best AEW quarter of television surpassed wwe's lowest at some point this year but other than that have fun just watch good wrestling <laughs> for sure um so guys kenny omega didn't uh did an interview with uh with dave Meltzer and garrett gonzalez on uh wrestling observer radio and they i guess he was talking a little bit about rampage and what that could be um and his quotes were basically around women's wrestling. Uh, he was asked, I guess, it's about Rampage, and he said, the content I think we're lacking is in our women's division. I would love to see Rampage be a home to more women's wrestling. I want people to see and appreciate and enjoy the talent we have to offer. I hope we get to show some of these matches that perhaps aren't seen by those people. We have a lot of gen- a great talent on the dark uh, on dark and people maybe don't want to watch our YouTube channel. Maybe they just want to watch dynamite and want to see a television product. I get it. Uh, I think the extra hour of rampage, uh, I think the extra hour with rampage rather than give them more Chris Jericho, more Kenny Omega, more MJF and the guys, you know, you're going to see on dynamite. I'd rather them give it uh give, I'd rather give them all our extremely talented individuals that maybe you don't see that week. I feel like we could, uh, we have incredibly gifted female wrestlers that have been working very hard and fighting for a spot and maybe it's time for them to get more. So, I mean, Omega, you know, he is an EVP. Um, He is involved in the women's division. You know, he helped kind of build that division. Um, so I'm not surprised that he would advocate for that on Rampage, but I'm also 
you know, I think we were kind of secretly hoping that, right? Like that we would be getting stuff that we don't normally see on TV and maybe we are seeing on dark, but they'll put it a little bit more on rampage. So, I mean, I'd be all for like a uh, more women's matches on rampage. I don't think that that's a bad idea at all. I think that actually be a pretty progressive and cool idea because nobody else is doing it. Yeah. You know, but they can't execute one women's storyline is my only thing. So I hope that if they're going to put more women's matches on TV, especially not on your A show, that it's not just going to be more thrown together matches. Like, hopefully, if they're going to do that, that means they're going to give a shit about all of the women's wrestling that they're putting on. Because if it's just... If Rampage is just going to be this place where storylines don't advance, but it's technically TV television, I'm fucking so over women's wrestling being treated like that. Give them some fucking stories. But I do think they're going to give us women's tag belts, and that, that will be a focus point, as well as trios belts. That's my guess. Shlong, any uh, any comments on whether Rampage could be home for more women's content? I mean, you can't have less. Uh, I guess, except if you don't have it at all. But um, I think Rampage would be best served by. You, I think you should always have at least one big star on Rampage a week, not the same one, just so that you drive viewers there. Um, so one storyline should advance there, and then you can replace that storyline with another one on Dynamite. You know, another lesser one to give them the most mainstream coverage. But yeah, you absolutely should have at least two feuds on Rampage going at a time of women, and then one on Dynamite, which would give you three nice. I just think that's a good way of using it because you, you that rampage will be for the lesser used people, obviously, except for like that main one that I think you need to have. And the women really are suffering from just not being booked. And and actually to go to talk about Kenny talking about the women, I know he's been like their biggest supporter, but he's also been a problem because he seems to really want just the Japanese women involved. Because it seems like that's always when he when you hear him talk about it, he usually was mentioning all these Japanese women. It's like, but they've been so inconsistent being able to come over that it's really been stop and start there. So I'm hoping maybe he's finally backed away from that and been like, this is our roster. This is who we have. We have to use this. And it's a good roster. So I don't, it's not like it's a negative. And all Japanese, all Japanese women's wrestling pretty much is stable driven. I'll just say that. You're not wrong, Kate. You are certainly not wrong. Um, in staying with Kenny Omega, uh, he was asked, oh, I don't know if it was the same show, but he was asked on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio uh, with uh, Meltzer and Garrett uh, Gonzalez um, about the prospect, I guess, of, of working with uh, CM Punk and Brian Danielson uh, because of all the rumors. Uh, so what did he have to say? Well, he said, quote, so it's cool for me to think that I'm going to be able to be in the ring with those two people possibly. Uh, but I think because maybe they were so prominent in the WWE and a lot of that is featured with segments, angles, character work for me as an ex excite, as exciting as the wrestling part is the ability to tell a story is more exciting for me. So, guys, I don't think that that's necessarily like an earth-shattering statement like that, hey, I'd like to build a story with these guys. I think maybe the earth-shattering part of that is the fact that 
like he barely put a like maybe in that statement <laughs> like it came like at the very end i mean it's a pretty good indicator of i think where we think this is going um but you know if you want to give me kenny omega versus cm punk and kenny omega versus brian danielson i will certainly take that daniel bryanson <laughs> oh my apology uh but it's uh D- daniel bryanson's the uh, american dragonson <laughs> the dragonson american <laughs> The American Bryant we got to move on. <laughs> yeah. But in, adi- and in addition to Kenny Omega, at least kind of being asked about those two guys and the rumors, uh, he took a rather serious approach. The young bucks um, who are really kind of uh, seminal figures in the creation of uh, a- AEW have taken a different approach around the whole rumor thing. Um, they did at one point uh, in their uh, Twitter bio um, have, of course, everyone wants to work with the company we started and named. Makes sense. We're trendsetters and trailblazers. And then they also updated it to, uh, are the rumors true? IDK. We just hope they'll take our finish well. Um, so I just wanted to call that out because man, if you're not keeping your eye on the young bucks bio on Twitter, you are missing out on some gold stuff. I laughed so hard when I saw that thing about the rumors being true and that they hope they'll take the finish. Well, um, I just think the fucking bucks are so funny and as heels with this like social media embargo thing, it's so funny. I'm all about this. Kate? If you, if you missed any of the bios, you can follow uh, at bio underscore bucks. And this guy just screenshots them all and posts them. It rules. Yeah, it's a <laughs> so lot of fun. If you missed one and you want to go back and read, you can follow this Twitter account of this guy who literally gets them. I love that they use it as a device in story and to just troll people who are spreading both real and false rumors like that's very fun and they switched it to nothing but net um earlier today after they put john silver through the uh basketball net so (laughs) (laughs) what a what a blast what and what a fun uh dumb heel device to use your twitter bio for that shit that rules (laughs) so in closing out all this news notes and we have one question we'll get to after this um it should be noted that uh, the rumors are absolutely uh affecting the uh the ticket prices for certain shows uh it was again uh you know kind of noted in the observer wrestling observer newsletter um uh you know uh the shows are all out on nine five in Chicago. Uh, as Melter said, has a 141 get in price. So the CM Punk rumors have apparently upped the ticket prices by about 18%. Uh, the other ticket uh, that he said was a hot ticket was on nine eight, which was dynamite in Cincinnati. That has 118 get in price. 
that's because there are such a limited secondary market availability for those shows that's driven it up. Uh, but Arthur Ashe get in is now uh, uh, $43 even uh, with the Brian Danielson uh, rumors. Uh, but it's also not sold out. So people could still be getting those tickets. So it looks like, you know, um, the possibility of CM Punk showing in uh, Chicago is certainly helping move the ticket needle. Uh, right now, Brian Danielson is not really moving that, but, uh, you know, Meltzer has said that show is not sold out yet. So it's worth noting too to people listening who are in the New York area. If you want tickets for Arthur Ashe, those tickets, there are still some tickets available you don't have to hit that secondary market just yet. Kate, we're going to be there. I know that much. We are going to be there as well as AEW Dynamite in Newark. Very excited about all of that. And back to your point about COVID, Arthur Ashe is an outdoor venue and New York City is very highly vaccinated. So I am optimistic about that at least. It also didn't sound like an insane concern. It just sounded like they were making backup plans, which is smart yeah. because some wrestling companies plan ahead for things <laughs> so That's, that is very true now and in, in according or in in addition to this uh these rumors all the rumor talk we've had and the ticket price things like that uh kate you said that joe uh put in the chat in facebook a question he had for us and we wanted to kind of take it here to end our night uh his question you said was if punk debuts at all out where in the card would you debut him? Uh, I want to go to Schlong first because, again, he is the biggest CM Punk mark. Schlong, where would you put uh, CM Punk debuting on the All Out card? So this is very much dependent on if they finish, if they're planning on finishing the Hangman Kenny story at All Out. If they do, then... I would put him on in the beginning, to be quite honest, to give you plenty of time to get away from that and to the hangman moment at the end. Um, I don't want him overshadowing hangman. So I would want them as far apart as possible. If for whatever reason, they're not telling that story at all out, which I think would be a mistake, but just for whatever reason, they're not, then you put them on at the end or at least second before the end, if you don't have a great main event going on. But if, if hangman's to win the belt at all out, which everyone really wants to happen, then you have to put them on at the beginning to keep the distance, to give fans time to get over that and get back into the story. Kate, what do you think? Yeah, I like that. If it's at all out, maybe Cody and Malachi Black have wrapped up their feud. So maybe that's where you go next. I think a lot of people would like to see that. Um, I feel very thrown off because I feel like now the handwriting's on the wall that he's going to be there uh on the 20th um but yeah i i think malachi black is the guy and early in the show for the same reasons that uh that schlong said you you want to you want to come full circle with that and you want hangman to be the go home part of that i wouldn't hate hangman winning it kenny omega going back pissed and then cm punk comes out and just stares him down that's also not the worst shot in the world to depart on but i want kenny to have or um hangman to have his moment so especially with his dark order buddies come on <laughs> yeah celebrating with a dark order in the ring raised up on their shoulders i mean what more could you ask for now i'll say this i i would agree with um uh, 
start of the night, you know, sometime around the top of the show. Um, but I think you could even, if you didn't want to waste him debuting sort of like towards the front end of the show, I think they could probably do it sometime in the middle of the show. As long as they're like two or three matches away from that main event, I think he'd be safe. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put him on main event. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything that would overshower that Kenny Omega um, hangman Adam page storyline, which I'm hoping they're paying off at, uh, at all out. But uh, Kate Ryan, that's the end of what we had tonight. Thank you for the question, Joe. We love getting the questions, So please keep sending them. If you're listening or watch them on Facebook, uh, watch along on Facebook. We're also in the shining wizards discord. So uh, we're often hanging out in the AEW channel uh, or anywhere there. So the shining wizards actually have um, uh, links to the discord and all their social media. Check it out. Join up, have a lot of fun with other wrestling fans. Uh, and then Kate, did you have anything you wanted to plug before I kind of plug some of our social stuff, any appearances coming up we should look out for? <laughs> sure. So tomorrow I am on the MWO, the Mike world order. I don't really know what it is. But if you ask me to be on your wrestling podcast, I'm going to say yes. And then uh, I've been asked to sit in for that bastard Jeremy Lambert in uh, with Sean Ross Sapp for the uh, Fightful Smackdown and AEW Rampage post-show on August 14th. Um, that'll be immediately after Rampage. So if you want to grab some caffeine and stay up with us, hang out. We'll be talking all things AEW Rampage and SmackDown for some reason. Um, <laughs> should be a should be a blast. So those are the two things that I have coming up as of right now. And Kate, what does Jeremy do with marbles? Uh, Jeremy sucks marbles. I have a T-shirt that says it. If anybody would like to uh, buy it for a minimum of five hundred dollars, like in ring gear, marbles is a complete simulator game on twitch that you have no strategy or control over um but jeremy sucks them so uh that's all i have for tonight Shlong, <laughs> you got anything you want to plug your personal socials or anything like that come on man you gotta have something to plug i plug nothing uh just thanks for listening and support kate and all her endeavors because she's out there doing a whole lot of shit and it's pretty cool even though she's by far the most frustrating member of the Mark Order with all those puns. Go support her because she's on everything and she has been doing marvelous. What about lights? Don't you plug lights in? You don't plug anything? Never mind. Don't support Kate on anything. <laughs> she's terrible. Just ignore her. Living up to those pun accusations, my friend. Schlong, I was certainly going to say you're plugging something with that little tip of the schlong. I know that. Hey um there is a chance that uh some of us from the mark order pod might be in philadelphia for ring of honor we'll keep you posted on that if you are listening and you're gonna be there uh, and we're gonna be there uh we're gonna we will post that up on facebook so if you're watching us on facebook as i say every week thank you uh if you're not 
please give us a, a like on Facebook. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash mark order pod. Uh, give us a like or a follow. Uh, you know, we do this show on Facebook every week live uh, after, uh, after dynamite, uh, after dynamite. Sorry. I totally lost track of thought. Um, so you can watch us there and then these videos stay up and you can watch, uh, you know, you can watch them anytime. Uh, and then we're also kind of creating events for shows we're going to be at. So we have an event right now for the Newark uh, AEW Dynamite show. I th- think we're going to create one for the Arthur Ashe show if we're going to meet up somewhere before the show and hang out a little bit. We can all do that. Uh, and we'll do the same thing for Ring of Honor if we find ourselves in Philadelphia. Uh, beyond that, find us on all socials at Mark Order Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Even though TikTok, Kate, I don't know if I told you. You know, you put that video up of uh, of Matt trying to start the fire uh, on Sunday night in the fire pit. Uh, TikTok removed it for breaking community standards uh, because it said it included a dangerous act. So I peeled it. What? I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't do the dangerous act is the funny part. It was just it was just smoke. There was no fire. That's the whole point of the video is Matt couldn't yeah. commit the dangerous act because he, and I quote, isn't allowed to use his wife's tools. He said it several times. He's true. not allowed to use the billower thing. Oh my gosh. That's hysterical. Anyway, find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, at Mark Order Pod. Give us a follow if you'd be so kind. We're trying to build up our socials. And we're, as we're getting out there doing more things, we're putting more content up. Uh, Kate crushes it on the Twitter, even though her puns are infuriating. Um, and, uh, you know, support Kate in the uh, podcast that she's going to be appearing on. Uh, she definitely will never tell them that Matt or I are available for podcasts no. because she's going to do them and that's totally fine. I don't really watch anything else anyway. So, uh, and nobody wants a surly ant money on their show to begin with. Uh, so, um, yeah. Um, I don't know what that note means, Kate, if you want to. I'll tell you off air. Okay. Matt can't start the fire. It was never burning since the world's return. Oh my God. Well, everybody, uh, we'll be back next week. We're not sure if Matt will be, uh, I guess, out of trouble from pulling uh, fire alarms Mm -hmm. on college universities. Uh, So tune in next week, same time, same place for the Mark Order podcast. Uh, For Ryan Schlong and for Kate the Great, I'm Ant Money, and we will see you next week on the Mark Order Podcast. This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.